Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And here we are again, lads. We're past the halfway point of the G1. We kind of made it. Gareth, it's a trial by fire, mate. We've, uh, we dragged you on full-time on this podcast and made your first task getting through the G1. How are you surviving it, mate? And uh, how are you getting on so far? You still with us? Just managed... Yeah, managing to keep my head above water at the minute. It's bad enough uh, last year or the year before, just like fighting on just keeping the app updated. But now having to actually watch everything in a bit of detail and remember what the fuck happened and things <laughs> to be able to talk about it as well. It's becoming a bit of a, it is becoming a bit of a full time job. This so uh, yeah, it's a, I couldn't have picked a couldn't have picked a worse time with really with the football season starting up again and the NFL season in full sway and everything like that. There's a there's a lot going on. So uh, yeah, it's uh, keep me busy, boys. Anyway. I kind of put notice that guy. If you were you wearing that, what are you wearing? It's an NFL jersey you've got on right now. Who is it? You don't know who it is. No, I don't know anything about NFL. No. So. <laughs> the, the mighty Minnesota Vikings are not so mighty Minnesota Vikings. Oh, okay. I should have known that. I, I, I'd say I was a Packers fan at one point, but I wasn't really. I was. I went to Wisconsin a couple of times, so therefore I decided I was a Packers fan. Um, oh, they're, they're the enemy. Fuck the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> He says and all that stuff. And, and why are you a Minnesota Vikings uh, fan? Why else would not be a Minnesota Vikings fan? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a massive Rick Rude fan. Where's Rick Rude from? Yes. What a reason. <laughs> That's back as in good a, as any. Back, yeah, back in like 1993 or something when I first started watching the NFL. Favorite wrestler, Rick Rude. Got to go with the uh, got to go with the the Rick Rude hometown. And unfortunately, that's subjected me to you know two decades of misery as a result. But you know, <laughs> what can you do? Three decades. Fuck. Sorry, just uh, doing my maths. <laughs> Christ above. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a state full of hard men, isn't it? Mm, if anything, true. Minnesota. That crew of wrestlers that came through. They're fucking nuts when you think. And they're all in high school together. They must have been running the fucking show. <laughs> between Hennig and Rude at the same time. That alone bloody Nikita Koloff. Well, there's all them stories, isn't there? They all worked in the same nightclub, didn't they? Like, they were all on the door in the same club. Like, imagine, yeah. I don't know, imagine having a few too many and just, like, kicking off at the bouncers in there one night. You'd be fucking regretting that, wouldn't you? <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're taking a fucking doomsday device after a rude awakening, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> what the fuck happened here? Hey, apparently that happened Why in the strip club, didn't weird it? hair? Apparently Vince yep. took, a, took a took a doomsday device in a strip club. That's the story, wasn't it? In Dark Sides of the Ring, I'm sure. Was it all their finishers? Were there Something loads like of that. finishers they ended up taking? Apparently, God, fucking twat. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, of course he'd do it, and he probably ended up with that dodgy neck brace he was wearing around the fucking trial as well. He's probably brought brought that out for it afterwards. <laughs> why would you do that? Like why? Uh, can't have a drink like a fucking normal human can <laughs> behave like a human way can't do anything like a normal human he's like his best mate Trump isn't he like a couple of robot men that's what they are yeah. he's not looking good though he's not he's back he's not looking good um, can't really bullshit a virus can you he's trying like that clip where he's like at the front at the front of the White House where he's just desperately trying not to cough and like he clearly can't breathe it's just fucking it's like and he had like he put like that video up with like the music and like the the, the jet planes and just oh 
he, he is so obviously Vince McMahon's best friend. Like you can't you can't admit you got a cold. Like that that's a weakness. So you can't admit you got COVID. Like especially that's that's an even bigger weakness. What does Vince always hate? Sneezing. Yeah. He was always mad about that stuff as well. They're weird. They just honestly, it's like some sort of bizarre like they're injected with biff tannin disease oh no and it just <laughs> alpha males makes them behave at like the worst like just like the worst aspects of it mm. i cannot understand for the life of me how anyone can think voting for him is a good idea my sister lives over there in kind of abject fear and she's in pennsylvania as well like one of the swingiest of all the swing states mm. and she just gets bombarded with adverts on a daily basis and she just, like, she knows people she works with and she just has to keep stum as they talk about, like, Trump and stuff. And it's just, like, and she just goes, I'm assuming that they're, they just must be fucking mental. That's it. <laughs> if you believe him over everybody else, anyway, run over, vote for Biden and, and fucking vote. Yeah, serious <laughs> business. No time for fucking arsey student politics. Get out and vote for Biden. They're not the same. One of them is a fucking maniac. And it's Trump. Right. I, th- I think it's Sorry. over. I think it's overblown. I'll be doing that more often on the build-up to November as well. It's all overblown, JP. This this whole virus business, like you know, you can look at like I remember, like the the megalomaniac leader of like a a big corporation, and he doesn't look that bad for having COVID. But you know, enough about Gareth. Uh, let's let's talk for a <laughs> <laughs> That's the other story in your life this week, Gareth, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, there's been yeah. COVID in the in Grapple Towers. Sorry, we shouldn't joke about it. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Uh, yeah, no, Sarah's, uh, Sarah's got the positive test today, so Fuck. I'm guessing that uh, in the next day or two, uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm, I'm going to be positive myself. So uh, definitely uh, in the self isolation process at the minute. But on the flip side, she's sleeping a lot on the sofa and go to bed early. So when you are in the middle of G1 season and you're trying to catch up and watch a few of these things around the edge. You know, it does just free up a bit of time for you, so swings and roundabouts and all that. <laughs> the kids we... have no excuse not to watch G one now as well. That's true. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. They couldn't give a fuck. They couldn't give it the slightest fuck. I've tried so many times to get them to uh have that interest in, in, in wrestling, but it just, just ain't happening. I just I don't even think any of Alex's mates at school or anything like that have the remotest interest in, in, in wrestling. So um, yeah, I think the chances of that, I'm, I'm relying on him like getting some mate when he goes to secondary school who just randomly happens to be in, interested in wrestling and you never know, he might might sneak in there. But um, but oh. yeah, no, I think the chances of that are definitely uh, definitely long gone. My, uh, My youngest... good luck over these next couple of weeks. It's <laughs> just going to be, oh, yeah. It's... I was going to say like my... Right. My youngest brother Mark, who's like seventeen now, he actually works in you know the, the, the weather spoons in uh, Liverpool City Centre that got shut down because of the COVID outbreak. That's where he works. Oh my god! <laughs> so he's been home for two weeks. So he's made up. To be honest, it's like his first little job. But when he was like twelve, like for for like I, I tried for years when he was smaller to get him into wrestling, and I had like a two month window where all of a sudden he just really liked Sheamus. And I don't know why it was Seamus, but he became a big Seamus fan like six or seven years ago. And like it was, I I, I was like, I took him to a Raw House show at, um, at Manchester Arena. I'd actually, saying that, it must have been a bit longer ago than that because it was that, you know, when uh, Everton played Liverpool in the uh, the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. Like I went down 
to that game at Wembley and then got the train back to Manchester to go to the SmackDown House show with me and good brother. That's how, that's how excited... I was more excited about that than the semi that we fucking lost, thanks David Moyes, to go. And I was thinking, about he's going to like wrestling. He's got, I've finally got through to him. He's going to like it. And he had a great time. And I bought him all this Cena merch. And then, like, maybe a week later, it was kind of like, yeah, I've done it now. I don't really like that wrestling stuff anymore. And it was just over. And I never got him back again, so... My, my advice, not as a dad, more as an older brother, Gareth, is if you get that window, take it. Yeah, I, th- I think with me, there's been like two times where I thought I had him. Like it was, um, it was he had a he had a spell where he just sort of suddenly. I think it was when the, the with the network, he just started watching like Royal Rumbles randomly and got to and just started working his way through watching all the Royal Rumbles and got really into, into it. And uh, Dean Ambrose was doing a signing at the Trafford Centre and he was like dead into Dean Ambrose. And I was like, oh, I'll take you to this signing. And we ended up like going to Man- uh, Trafford Centre at about like 6am or something like that, literally standing all fucking day till about like three o'clock or four o'clock to see Dean Ambrose. Got in finally, like walked up and then he like signed a WWE annual for him in like and said like, hiya. And that was it kind of thing. And then Alex just walked out and he was like, what? He was like, we waited all day for that. Kind of thing. And he was just like, I think he saw his ass with it a, it a bit then. And then there was one sort of PCW show where we were front row and Cole Cabana came out and like picked him up and put him on his shoulder and kind of like ran round, ran round the ring with, with Alex on his shoulder. And he was fucking well into it then for, I think Pentagon was always on that show as well. He enjoyed Pentagon and I thought, oh, I've got him again kind of thing. Yeah, there was a few good names, but within a fortnight, didn't give a fuck again. So um, who knows? There might be a, there might be another window. We'll, uh, we'll give it a go. Yeah, with my lads, they it's going to take something like becoming like a massive Twitch star, massive kind of YouTube star, but in a kind of mainstream sense. At that point, I think they would jump on board, mm. and I think perhaps that's what it would take, which kind of makes the WWE decision to take them out of Twitch and everything else kind of so counterproductive is one of the reasons that was uh, making a lot of people upset. Mm. But it's, yeah, it, it, I've tried. I've taken to so much so many shows mm. and at this point I, I could see them coming back possibly when they're old enough to drink which is coming up at a terrifying pace <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed and uh, I don't, yeah I don't know if I could take a go out on a weekend lash with my sons I don't know that's just <laughs> wrong in every sense of the word but we're about four years away from that golden event happening so and you'll be doing it oh yeah lads taking dad out for a pint on a Sunday I can see that in your future yeah. JP <laughs> oh yeah and uh, and i'd love i'd yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to it now even though it's four <laughs> years away uh, to be honest the biggest conclusion i got from what you just said there jp is that actually we're all wrong about miro and being a twitch star is actually much more important than being a threatening wrestler so there we go maybe maybe miro would be a big star to lots uh, uh no not <laughs> it actually depends what he's playing yeah the game they're all playing is among us mm. that's all i ever fucking hear about is that game but it really would depend on the kind of stuff it is if it's like cod and whatnot it's like no interest and that's and that's what they're like they're utterly mercenary in who who they follow Mm. and you've got to be like on every social media platform and i can't be asked at this point to even remotely keep up and it just sounds weird coming out of my mouth if i mention sort of contemporary stuff to them yeah Anyway, there you go. This what happens when you get older, mate. Failing to understand the younger generation and not even really trying in the process. (laughs) 
Oh well, but yeah, you know, like like, so, like we said, Gareth, maybe maybe in the break you can uh, you can get Alex watching some G one. Maybe maybe that can happen. Maybe, maybe that that can be uh, the good that comes out of this uh, this two week break. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I really hope that somebody out there does as a does a mock up of like you know Trump at the front of the White House taking his mask off. Can somebody just do me that with Gareth in front of Grapple Towers? I would appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that in our future. Let's hope you make next week's show though, Gareth. That's in all seriousness. Hopefully Sarah's okay and you're okay by next week. Is, is, is this when is this yeah. when the bully, is this when the bullying starts? What's this? Is this about week seven or something like that? Oh, <laughs> that's when you know you're fully in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's, it's when Joe Mills photoshops you. That's when you know you're in. It's yeah. hazy. It's the rituals. Okay. Um, <laughs> the thing I was going to mention before we get started as well, JP, me and you uh, joined in on the uh, the two Sarahs. Uh, Quiz night on mm. Friday. Um, obviously, this is sadly normally the weekend of uh, WXW's uh, winter weekend. I had my time up on my phone, showing me lots of depressing photos from last year of me at the uh, at the WXW training school and uh, and in Oberhausen over the weekend. Uh, paint this year fucking sucks. Uh, that made it even even worse. It made me more determined that I will hundred percent be going in March if we can go to Germany at that at that point. But yeah, in lieu of that, the two series put a, a quiz on. I think there was a, was there a raffle as well? Um, oh, bingo, no, no, was, bingo. Matthew did a bingo. Bingo, that's it. Yeah, and and Alan Farrell's quiz, which you did very well in. Like you were, you got through to the final in that thing. I was very impressed. There was only certain areas. Like mm. there was a kind of mad coincidence. The first question was like, "What did Desperado wrestle under? Oh, I what no name did he wrestle under in Mexico?" The only reason I knew that is when I was like reading like kind of cage match mm. and stuff about him, just mm. like, you know, when he was, um, when they started to push him up the card a little bit. So I started, um, I started with that, but then after that, I mean, it was probably 15 to one stuff. Mm. It was like, Oh my God, the level of difficulty. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no bullshit is on that one. Like if you're aware of Angunkles, then like, yeah, you're fine. But there's a lot of stuff on there that, like, when it hit, like, kind of the territories in the 90s, I was, we were like, okay, it's our time to shine. Mm. And it was handy, like, bringing up the Nation of Domination angle and who was oh, the last person in the ring with Farouk. And I was like, I remember we did a, we did a, a flashback show on that. And it was like, yep, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> oh, here's one for Gareth, actually. What was, uh, what was Kevin Nash's tag team partner when he left WCW? This felt like a Gareth era question. I got it. I was very impressed with myself. Who was he teaming when he with? Left- yeah, and his last... Sorry, when he left WCW the first time, sorry, to be clear. So when he left for the WWF the, the first time in the mid-90s, who was he teaming with well, during so, the end of that? So when he was like Vinny Vegas, that... Yeah, the that last, last six months, yeah. I don't know. Was he Terry Taylor? Was he? No, Big Sky. I thought he'd be one of your guys. Big Sky. Yeah, I only I'd come across like a YouTube match of it like not that long ago. And that's the only reason I knew that's that's the level of difficulty Alan Farrell was operating at. Um, yeah, I can't even remember what I had for my fucking dinner yesterday. <laughs> Never mind, remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he, he had a, um, a diamond oh, stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that they, made ta- sense. they tag they tagged together, and I mm. saw them at that Earl's Court show, called Earl's Court show, mm. when it was Oz and the Diamond Stud. Mm. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people. Um, I think went with that answer. There was a there was a Will Cooling round as well. DDP. Yeah, DDP. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Will Cooling round was just pure like wrestling politics, which I appreciated as a round. Um, yeah, I was one point away from the final, unfortunately, which is the is typical of me on WXW weekends. It's usually our fair in the bowl and two. 
Um, but yeah, I was proud of uh, of JP carrying the flag for grapple, even if you uh, you didn't make it the whole way. I didn't. I got through to the first stages. Was it four stages of four hell? Um, <laughs> Max, to go three stages of four hell, Max to go through. And I, well, basically the big chance came when it was a question about TNA of all things that brought me down mm. about who wrestled in WWE and TNA in 2002. And I thought it was Ron Killings. And I was like really fucking proud because that's the storyline that only, I think me and you, Benno realized the great storyline that never was. Mm. And we saw that the sting level potentially could have had be a different story nowadays. Um, obviously would have died on its ass within three weeks and I'm doing something fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it was uh, X-Pac mm. who it was. And so, uh, yeah, that was me gone, <laughs> sadly. And uh, and then, it, sorry, go on. I was going to say, how are you holding up in the voices of wrestling thing with the, um, oh, yeah, with the predictions, contest, given, yeah. uh, given that your run of form, if you're doing well in the quiz and you were top, I, mean, I haven't looked at that for all week, you were top last time we spoke. How, how are, you, are, yeah. are you maintaining the spot? I was joint seconds after that, uh, like, shocking day. I got two. Mm. And um, I was one point behind. But I've got eight points over the last two shows. And so I should be on 38. But I don't know if they've come out mm. yet, if they've, got the, if they've got the new ones up. Because everyone at that top seems to have the same final as me. And it's like, oh, right. So it's just how you get there might be the way that it is it's like if you've linked onto the pattern if that makes any sense mm. but there's a couple that kind of like oh we'll talk about it a bit but jeff cobb beating jay white almost made me angry just because the pickums i was like oh for fuck's sake there's no need for that, <laughs> well, that really i was going like, to... it's at that point and today watching it because it was five out of five mm. on the bus hey me too yeah yeah I'll I'll go into what my reaction with that first match was because it was it was probably different from a lot of other people's. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, so in there, and then we haven't mentioned the fa- uh, the the F the fantasy premium. Oh, you're League. doing well in that too as well. Um, like I was going to say, like it's it's the week of JP and uh, and killer things in a in contests like this. Um, but to be, hon- to be honest, Gareth had a better week. Yeah, Gareth's still above. I, I think there's, there's only one of us in the top five in the Grapple League. That's uh, all I'm saying. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably I the headline from this weekend's football, isn't it? And that's probably all we should talk about, Gareth, don't you reckon? Just fancy football, not real I, football. I, I think so. Let's just talk about fancy football. <laughs> real, did, did real football happen? Uh, apparently it did, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did that, did, did that t- t- cheer Sarah up uh, being in the house as uh, she went down 7-2? <laughs> It was amazing. She'd been absolutely wrecked with COVID, lying on that sofa for all weekend. I was running around like a blue ass fly, doing every job under the sun. And I'll tell you what, with every goal that went in there, it didn't half perk her up. Trump maybe just needs to become a blue or something like that, and just replaying <laughs> the uh, highlights of that if he wants to get better. Because fucking hell, yeah, uh, yes, she was. She went from lying down to practically j- dancing around the living room. I all I I literally just looked at my fancy football team and I captain Salah and I was gutted because the uh, Hammers Rodriguez got eighteen points again and I was like oh, I should have followed up my heart and gone with uh, gone with the Everton player again and I looked at my team and I was like oh that's not too bad uh, Salah got a goal he got a bit of bonus points and then I saw the score and I was like whoa hang on. <laughs> so, I was talking last week though about like the faults of fantasy football so like you're watching there and like. Liverpool getting twatted, obviously, by, by that score. 
And honestly, when Salah put the second one in and I knew I had him captain in the fantasy league and now that I've got that live FPL link that you sent uh-huh. me there that updates it like in real time, I was I think I was like top of the league at that point or second in the league or something. And I was I was kind of like just the, the the fact that it just got tonked by Villa just didn't matter to me kind of thing. And it was the it was it was the fantasy league that was uh, that was taken over and I was just like delighted there with that. And I was thinking, what the fuck are we we're getting battered here by Aston Villa and all I give a shit about is that my captain's just scored a second in the fantasy league. I should be distraught. So uh, you know, it's one of them. At least uh, at least it puts a uh, positive spin on when when things go terribly wrong but i was waiting for uh for big tone to pipe up and get his revenge after uh carragher giving him grief last week you know this week all those memes of, <laughs> of carragher uh, trying to explain away that performance only a couple of hours after gary neville had been in literally the same position uh, that was that was big tone's moment to jump in there i'm, I'm shocked he didn't he was on twitter today after he signed a center half from leon mm. some swedish guy Oh, and yeah. he was he seemed very excited about it. I was like, mate, you haven't got a fuck you've never seen him fucking play. Come on. Be serious. See so watching Leon, when's he fitting that in? Like, <laughs> like, really? When's he got time? In all seriousness. But anyway, yeah, he found the time to to talk about this lad. So I and I just thought, yeah, you need a lot more than that. It's just not happening. They bought two centre halves, and it's like I don't think that's all of the problems sorted. But there you go. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, bottom of the uh, the grapple fancy Premier League is someone called Sunil Khan. So I was wondering whether it was Big Tone under an alias, and he's he's a, as bad a fantasy mm-hmm. football as he is a, a real footballer in real life. Um, saying that second from bottom is someone called Pep Guardiola, and I'm pretty sure that's not really him. Um, <laughs> but still, Rob Reed's still top as well for anyone who cares. Uh, with uh, with Gareth in the uh, in the top five, not far behind him. Yeah, there's a twenty there's, points between us three. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's two, 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 two of us are in the top ten anyway, aren't we, JP? We are indeed. Although I played the wild card this week, <laughs> which probably seems a bit bonkers to you, but I thought I'm going to get this in now because I think that side has done as much as it can do. So this, this will be my tip. If you are going to wild card like JP, do it now. Get the players that are about to rise in price in now, and you've got two weeks of international break to uh, to reap the benefits. So, yeah. actually, quite a wise decision, that JP. I respect it. Yeah. Uh, my team's in good enough shape that I don't need to. I just had a bad week, like most other people. That's all. It's fine. I'll be back next week. Don't worry. <laughs> no, all right. Well, next time they play, is that is that Merseyside derby? Is that a Goodison? Oh, I don't actually know. It I don't is. Think yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it? a, it's a Goodison. And Not that it matters that much right now. You've got to be feeling pretty confident there, Benno, haven't you? Going into the derby, massive favourites, top of the league. Um, <laughs> you know, I think anything anything less than a win will be a fucking terrible result, I think. Oh, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Off 12 on a Saturday as well, we're going to get tongs, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, are, you, are you going? That fence isn't that fucking big when we walk around. <laughs> I could maybe get, get myself in there, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give There'll it a be go. a few lads in Columbia shirts, won't there? <laughs> I could be one of them. I could blend in. I'll go in and do the Macarena with the lads from there when we score. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not getting overexcited. We have, uh, we've had a very good start, but, you know, uh, we've got to play the big boys yet, so we'll see. Um, I was, so, I, even, in that, even in that Villa game at 6-2, Sarah's going to me, because people won't know, my wife's a massive blue. She's, she's, she's the bitterest blue in the history of bitter blues anyway, but... Uh, even at 6-2, she's like going to me, how long's left? And I'm like, 12 minutes. And she's like, mm, 
like there's still chance you could still get four in 12 minutes you know she's, she's been there before like. yeah <laughs> that's the issue um, but i was gonna say actually before we move on from the football chat jp we've spent far too much time on our clubs what the fuck is going on with gunosaurus what a disgrace to football that story is, uh, JP. Yeah. The, the, the poor uh, mascot, the whole sure. like old man who dresses in the fucking dinosaur outfit yeah. has been cut for budgetary reasons. This is a national outrage, JP. Justice for Gunnosaurus. Yeah. Well, bizarrely, Meza Ozil has offered to cover his wages, which I'm sure he's doing just to undermine the club. But I also think that's quite that's quite good as well. Oh, it's politics. Gunnosaurus. It's Will for a long time, like especially at the old Highbury, like I'd normally I'd be with my mate who's a season ticket holder, and and like we would I'd normally go and it's through him I'll normally go and watch a game or, or get tickets from, and you'd occasionally see Gunnosaurus in the old Highbury sat there with his feet up, like in the east stand watching the game with the arms crossed, which is just fucking weird, and then. I think it might have been the photo, and this sounds terrible. It was a minute silence, yeah, and he was stood say. at the end there, and I couldn't help but laugh. Looking sad, his little myself, dinosaur head yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mascots celebrating minute silences are always something that I, I can laugh at, which is awful. Like, I mean, it's so bad. It shouldn't be an endurance contest. But after that, like, that was really good. And then I don't know if you followed, but the football cartoonist David Squires. Whenever he write, whenever he does any cartoons about Arsenal, he's always got Gunnosaurus in it. So he had the Shawshank Redemption ending with once Wenger had left, and then he meets Gunnosaurus on a beach, and the Gunnosaurus is like Tim <laughs> Robbins just sanding down this fucking boat <laughs> in Mexico. So he is Gunnosaurus's class. I like he's kind of warmed on me, and that's never something that should have been the case. And seeing the sheer amount of fucking rage and bile that Gunnosaurus has had to walk around that stadium under the latter end of Wenger and the Unai Emery uh, like kind of era. Because I did look at Gunnosaurus. I was there in that Palace game when Xhaka threw the shirt at the bench and people were booing about VAR and it was fucking wild. And I look at Gunnosaurus and I was like, what the fuck have you got yourself into here, mate? <laughs> like, there's no kids being... Like, he hands out sweets at half-time and occasionally people sing inappropriate songs about it. I've so seen like, that clip of the Spurs fans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, ha- that happens on the reg. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. But anyway, it's one of the, getting, one of, one of the fun, sorry, one of the funniest working moments of my life was like I did some work experience at Warrington Wolves Rugby League Club, and like one day the guy who was like Wolfie, the Warrington Wolves mascot, was uh, he wasn't available that day, and there was like a big promotions thing going on at Asda, and then they were just like all just like looked at me, and you were like, yeah, you're going in the suit kind of thing, and I was just like nineteen, twenty, just like. <laughs> Uh, I've got no fucking option here, kind of thing. So I had to like go and be the be Wolfie, the Warrington Wolf in Asda, who like wasn't wasn't allowed to talk and things. So I had to strut around, try and put on a bit of a performance as Wolfie, just like fucking bright red, just in that stinky suit, kind of. <laughs> and then I had to like um, do like photos with some of these kids and things. And then like this one girl, she said, "Oh, I just like bend down for a photo with me." And then like we bent down to like take this photo. And she just said through the ear of the wolf uh, outfit to me, are you proud of your job? How <laughs> oh, did you even answer that? I was just like, oh, yeah, Jesus, it was worth it, worth it for that. That's one of the moments that like, I'll just never forget all my life. Like, I was just like, you little fucker. I was like looking at her dad and I was thinking, he's told you to say that, hasn't he? That little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it, in some ways, it led to the, for, the, the formation of grapple, though. There you go, right. Well, in some ways, that... Is, is that like the kind of 
Is that like the centerpiece of like your burning desire when building grapple mansions of just going like I remember what you said you fucking bitch and it's not leaving the fucking ears. There you go. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what though, what a guy, Mesut Ozil, like on three hundred and fifty grand a week and he's yeah. he's gonna cover the wage of Gunasaurus, so he's gonna what give him like two hours pay or something like that. <laughs> he, Twenty grand he is. to cover a full year. To cover him I, for the entire year. <laughs> what a guy. I, I also have to say, Thomas Party is a like-for-like replacement isn't going to work either for Gunnosaurus. Like, I'd seen him play him central midfield, but there you go. So we had to get it in. It's party time. See, so all, all I want now is Gunnosaurus versus Wolfie the Wolf. Yeah. Whatever his name was in, a, in like a Shikara-style match. That's, the, that, that's what we need out of this. <laughs> Uh, g- g- give me the toffee lady as the uh, as the oh. as the referee. That's that's a proper mascot. Just a, just a nice old woman coming around Goodison and handing out sweets that are terrible. Uh, that, that, that that's the wholesome stuff. In non-COVID times, if, if this happened in non-COVID times, and you're a wrestling promoter, you do you you get Gunnosaurus in, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You get Gunnosaurus in for a run-in, like <laughs> Spurs heel comes out, Harry Kane shirt on. Like, tries to cheat. Gunnosaurus comes out. Massive fucking ovation. Shit writes itself. License to print money. There you go. <laughs> Justice for Gunnosaurus. Everyone sign the petitions. Hopefully, yeah. uh, Ozil's uh, good charity uh, pays off <laughs> with the change he found that's on the, the ti- sofa. That's the title, and there's a good couple of show images already looking for Wolfie the Wolf. <laughs> yeah, we need to find that, Gareth, please. If, you, if yeah. there's any any photo, we need it. Uh, there's, no, there's no photo of me in the suit, unfortunately. Or oh, fortunately. Oh, we can always, we'll just pretend, JP. We'll find something. We will be. <laughs> Wolfie the Wolf in Asda. <laughs> uh, moving on. We, should, we probably actually should move on, JP, before, before your Virgin Media uh, packs in again. <laughs> Get into yeah. some, uh, some wrestling stuff. How's uh, the internet watch going over there, JP? Is it a. Uh, are we. Uh, are we, have we Brought moved down on to else? Okay. But um, EE picking up the slack here. I'm dubious because they're probably going to turn on me like the fuckers <laughs> they probably are. But EE picked it up with the, the Wi-Fi hotspot. And it's not recorded, but I did a big cheer, like, and a big fuck you, Virgin Media. <laughs> um, which is the alternative title for the show. And yeah. would have been the title for the show for the last, I don't know, two months. <laughs> We're never getting that Richard Branson sponsorship, let's just say that. Um, no. But as we have... Uh, I've we... seen a picture of that outfit. Fuck me, it looks awful. Which one? Doesn't it? Wolfie the Wolf. Oh, right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I know you thought about Richard Branson. Yeah, I was going to say, what have you oh, found sorry. Richard Branson? <laughs> I did it. That'd be horrible. No, I've just, I've just found this image. It looks a proper old, ragged costume. Like probably of the same one that used. It looks like yeah. the same. It looks like the same one that I had to wear like twenty years ago or something. Look, yeah. it's a rite of passage, looks- Gareth. When you when you write your version of Trump's art of the deal, uh, that'll be a great chapter. <laughs> the de- the Wolfie the Wolf chapter. <laughs> the lessons I learned in Asda that day. There you go. Yeah. A couple of chapters <laughs> on your timer, Everton. Plenty of uh, good material there. <laughs> anyway. Moving on, uh, we should probably talk uh, some of the wrestling uh, we've seen before we uh, we get into recapping uh, this middle week of uh, of G1. Uh, I'm guessing you guys uh, watched uh, at least uh, most of uh, Takeover from this weekend on uh, on Sunday. Uh, my biggest takeaway was uh, was Shawn Michaels uh, talking about how young, calling Damian Priest a young man. Did he on Twitter when he was uh, describing Damian Priest, which led to 
lots of uh, funny comments on, on my Twitter feed of people uh, pointing out people who were younger than Damien Priest was at uh, at that time and as uh, at this time in his life. Uh, my one was that he is literally younger now. Sorry, he's literally older now than Shawn Michaels was when he made the Jesus comeback. But like, people gave me some great examples, like Hogan at WrestleMania six, younger than Damian Priest now. American Badass Undertaker, younger than Damian Priest now. A personal favorite, Tony Soprano in season one of The Sopranos, <laughs> younger than Damian wow. Priest now. Yeah, it's uh, it's shocking really when you think about it. But uh, <laughs> that was it. That was my main takeaway. I haven't been blocked by Shawn Michaels yet, so that's good. Uh, who who has blocked you at the moment? Road Dog, <laughs> Road Dog, Austin Aries. Yeah, there's a there's a whole list. Um, but Nate I didn't... Batista, sadly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that that's that's a man who's uh, how old's he? Like he's in his forties, isn't he? Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't Big know. Dave guy... blocked you. What? Why? I've got no idea. Honestly, I I just I logged. I look. I tried to look at his profile one day, and I found I was blocked. I've never tweeted at him. I've never I, I looked. I don't think I've really tweeted about him. The only thing I can think of is the uh, is the WrestleMania weekend shows me and uh, JP did last week last year where we we yeah. ridiculed his match with Triple H. Maybe he was a Lister. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's a big IC, big ICW fan. Maybe big NXT UK <laughs> yeah. fan. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, I feel it's like someone. I remember just... be... Oh, go on, JP. Sorry, you're breaking up. I was going to say I remember bigging up uh, his performance in Blade Runner 2049 at the time. So he might have taken pity on me and just all <laughs> the other fucker didn't say anything, did he? So. Uh, I to be honest, I just think some of these quote tweeted one of my bullshit tweets, and he's seen it in his timeline. He's gone, "Fuck you, you're a dickhead," and blocked me. Um, but yeah, so far I've not uh, not had that from uh, from our show yet. But yeah, it did make me laugh though, Gareth. You were saying when you like when you had your uh, your fortieth birthday. Though it is it is like that reminder of like we are like the ages like of our heroes from like the eighties and nineties. Like it just. Every time I think about it, it blows my mind. Like that, say, you know, Arn Anderson when I was watching him at his peak was in his early thirties and younger than I am now. Hogan and when he was balding and putting over the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania six, like his career was over, is literally the same age as I am now. Uh, it's horrified uh, when you have that realization. I, I do it every year now. I like punish myself with it. I'm, I'm like actually like looking for it on the day of like who 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 am I older than now and at what point? I think. It was there, like, on, in response to that, where I showed that, like, Hogan WrestleMania 9 one. The fact that on my 40th, when I was older than Hogan at WrestleMania 9, and older than Savage at WrestleMania 8 and things, it just, like, blows my mind. Because even now, I look at pictures of them at that time, and I'm just like, no way. Like, in my <laughs> mind, they're 10 years older than, you know, definitely look 10 years older than, than I do now. And, like, this year, I think when I turned... 42 it was like you saying about Arn Anderson there it was like literally Arn Anderson at the arse end of his WCW run when he'd stopped wrestling and then he came back and he did like two years later or three years later he did one match where he had like his full suit like full shirt and trousers on kind of thing so he was you know he'd stopped working for about three years and I'm fucking older than him then I just couldn't couldn't believe it so uh god god knows what I'm going to be finding next year when it's 43 maybe maybe I need to stop did you did you see the picture of Dennis Condry that someone put out there of him being 29? Oh, yeah, he looks about 50. That, that's like, what I remember yeah. with then, JP. Well, as Andy Ogden put it, he had a hard paper round, <laughs> didn't he? Like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, I'm not being... Like, they really did, didn't they? Mm. Like, in them days, if you look 40, 
must have been fucking 70 at this point. <laughs> it was like... It's absolutely shocking. DDP looks better than fucking Condry did at 29. Mm. Like DDP now, I might say, by the way. It's he all... looked a fucking state on one of those shows we watched in that, but anyway. Turned it round. <laughs> it's all perspective, mate. I remember being uh, 18 on a lad's holiday to Dublin and pulling a girl that was 28 and thinking, God, she was old. Uh, I think back now, I'm like, yeah, fuck me. But my perspective was off there. 28's not so yes. bad. 36, that's a problem. <laughs> how, how, how old were you? 18. Is that, is that, is that a... <laughs> are we getting into Me Too territory? <laughs> I don't know. We are. <laughs> Look, she had a... Pe- she- I I, I, uh, <laughs> I export well to Ireland. Young ginger lads apparently were uh, were all of Vogue in, uh, in two thousand two in Ireland. <laughs> Did, were we over there enough. during the World Cup? Because it could have tied in with that. Maybe the World Cup on at the time <laughs> uh, would have been two thousand two, probably. Yeah, June, July. Mm, it might have been just before it was as good as Ireland ever played in a World Cup that's something that's not brought up very often about how bad both sides were you could have just caught into a national euphoric moment yeah maybe you just go along with you went along with it Benno that's (laughs) That's it I feel exploited now I need to to, to rethink my life (laughs) (laughs) but anyway back to the rest of the thing the one one I was going to point out was John was was Golga John Tenter when he, uh, when he came back to WWF, someone pointed out to me that he was 34 when he came back for the Golga run with the South Park map thing. Like, how finished was he at that point? Yeah, nuts. Oh, God. How much does that make him? So then when he was doing, like, that SummerSlam 90 run, so he was only, like, what? He was, like, tw- 28 then or something. Like, yeah, late 20s, yeah. Jesus Christ. He looks about 40, doesn't he? It's nuts. <laughs> it- but facially, it's not the fact he's a big lad. It's facially like, my God, looks closer to a fucking snooker player than he does like, like a rep. Yeah, 28 born. in that match at SummerSlam 90 against Hogan. It, it must be even less. Must 27. Be. He was born in 1963. There you go. <laughs> Fuck me. He probably only had his gap year the year before, hasn't he? There you go. Came yeah, back and thought he... Yeah, work work the territory with Hogan. It that's that's ridiculous. Twenty seven, but he's a big man, and he's like boss man. I think that's maybe the size puts him in a bit. Benjamin it. Button compared to these lads, <laughs> you both look a lot better. I will say that. Uh... I mean, taking bumps, bumps. Are they taking bumps and and fucking aging pills or something? Is there some sort of curse on them? <laughs> Sorry, I've banged up about a lot now. Nah. You just look good for your age, lads. Not as good as the 28 year old girl in Ireland, but other than that, you look good. Um, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, let's see if I edit that entirely out of the podcast. But moving on. <laughs> what did you think of the actual takeover show? Uh, JP, did you see the whole thing? Um, I've, I've seen the main I... events and some bits and pieces. Mm. I, I I kind of blitzed it all last night thinking we were recording last night then sent you a message all kind of proud of I fit it all in and it's like yeah we're doing it tomorrow and I'm like ah <laughs> oh, for <laughs> sakes but actually in fairness I, on the whole I generally enjoyed it I thought after the last one and considering like the main events between the last one the Carrion Cross Keith Lee compared to this night and day and it was generally enjoyable although the setup started to really grate on me 
because there's particularly like it felt like there was like a tinned booing sound mm. and cheer going through and it was like non-stop and i thought i was gonna have a seizure the amount of lights there like mm. they're just addicted to fucking neon honestly like it's just insane and so i found the kind of set as like even though it looks kind of spectacular and they're all basically squished in a bit close like down by there it was like oh god they really haven't learned much have they from it but overall as a show i thought it was it was generally a a good watch there was nothing on it that was that was bad there's stuff i'm more invested in but i don't watch nxt so i kind of this is me dipping in seeing the storylines and where it is it's nowhere near its peak don't get me wrong but i thought as a kind of show in the putting on the direction they should be going on going in this is this is definitely the way yeah i mean it was a weird watch because i kind of i had it on in the background sunday night and then went back and and watched bits of it uh, monday night to give it kind of my full attention but like like you said it was a surreal watch with like the the real fans at the front and i think the video will look better than it does in mm. the in the Thunderdome. It definitely. What was Triple H's quote? He was going for like a like a metal sound stage or something like that. I don't think it was quite that, but it was uh, it was a little bit more dark and dingy and dare I say it, punk rock um, than uh, than than the the regular WWE setup. But yeah, the the sound was weird. The commentary was weird with like the fucking. The, the stand-ins at ringside like i didn't even notice it first time watching it was only when i went back to watch it on, on monday night and, and uh and go through the, the bigger matches and, and see them again and i was like hang on that is that is definitely i feel like the the girl at ringside has got red hair not blonde hair yeah. so i'm pretty sure that's not her it was so weird i, thought, I was worried for wade barrett yeah I looked at it, I was like, jesus what's <laughs> happened to him yeah, he'd been on it. Oh, I didn't even, didn't even notice that. What they had, they had standings at ringside. Yeah, so Vic Joseph yeah. was that was at ringside, and then it was just two random people stood next to him, pretending to do commentary, who weren't the commentators, who weren't um, Beth and, uh, and Wade Barrett, <laughs> and they didn't look anything like Beth or Wade Barrett. That was the thing. It was Why just, the fuck would you do that? I don't know, because <laughs> it's the WWE. It's the fucking sub. Yeah. <laughs> No, no sane company would do it. I wish I could explain it, but it was so fucking, like, so fucking weird. And Vin, and Vic Joseph didn't sound like he was there at points. Mm. Like his commentary seemed to kind of go out of wank, uh, wank. Out of slip. Is Vic wank. Joseph about to get exposed? Or? Well, <laughs> he's going to do a Tom Phillips. It was him, wasn't it? <laughs> It's easy to mix up these uh, these announcers just to do with black hair with a microphone in his hand. Uh, the yeah. Eric. Could have just as easy been Justin yeah. Roberts, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's gone to visit Madame Palm and her five sisters. So uh, there he is. I don't know where to go from that. At um, times it, it didn't sound like he was there. That might have been the reason why, you know. Yeah. Um, could have been the lad sat behind him. <laughs> well, they were doing spots. Using like yeah. using it the com- com- the table and like I say I had it on in the background on Sunday so like mm. I didn't notice so maybe they did get away with it with some fans and obviously Gareth you didn't pick up on it either but once you do know it's so fucking ridiculous I don't know why you do it in the first place yeah no good reason for it mm-hmm. and I mean I will say this actually about Wade Barrett's commentary. He seems to either haven't watched NXT and the build up to it. He's perfectly fine for exactly what they want. Mm. 
Mm. Like a like he's a lesser Nigel McGuinness. Don't get me wrong. And um just use Nigel McGuinness then maybe? This... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would be cheaper as well? I you know. It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But mm. um but yeah, that the whole setup and then trying to give it this kind of fake history, mm. the Capital Wrestling Center, I was like, Oh yeah, this is what Vince Senior had in mind. Definitely. <laughs> Dystopian video wall and people with masks behind mesh fucking fencing. <laughs> Two people pretending to be commentators for shits and giggles. Yeah, he thought that when he had Bruno on top. <laughs> he's, he's such a fucking nerd, Triple H, isn't he? Like, who, like I, I had to look it up. I was like, what was the capital wrestler? Oh, I was like, oh yeah, that was... It's in the arse of his, of his step-granddad who's dead. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> See, so we think we're old, and then Maybe yeah, rationally angry. But <laughs> what what did you make of the uh, the capital wrestling, uh, whatever the fuck it was, uh, Gareth, and the uh, the setup in general? Did you see all of the show or just bits? No, I, I only watched two matches. So, well, I I, I watched the Priest Gargano match like at the, at the at the start. That was sort of again, it was a bit kind of half watching that really, um, but. You know, I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a, you know, it was a pretty, you know, pretty enjoyable, pretty entertaining match for what I was watching it. You know, I wasn't watching it like full on kind of thing. It was, it was all right. I, I didn't mind the aesthetic. I think, like, for me, I think because I don't know because I've been pure, been watching so much G One, mm. and then I pretty much am only watching AEW apart from that at the minute. It was just kind of like a nice step change because AEW is obviously just in the same set every single week and, mm. you know, the, the G1's got its, its certain look. And I, I just thought it just, again, it just sort of stood out as a bit different and it it looked, it was a bit less jarring than the, um, the oh, whatever they call them, the Amway Centre, the, the basketball, what is it they call it, the Thunderdome or whatever the way with the, the big screens there and things like that, just with it being a bit darker. And it did look a bit grittier when they were in the ring and you could only see the cage and you couldn't really sort of see this, the screens behind it and things like that. So I kind of, I, I thought it looked, I don't know, it looked a bit bit better. It, um, I certainly like, enjoyed watching that a bit more, you know, and like with the... Um, with the fences and things like that, even just I just thought that was a better touch than the perspex glass thing that had been done previously and stuff. So I thought in the main, like I didn't mind the I didn't mind the setup too much. I was thinking with them screens, like if they really wanted to go full tape tilt that way, like they could have went like black and white with them or something like that, or just made them look a bit more grittier or a bit alternative or something like that because it it just sort of it was a bit kind of. On one hand, you've got this dingy black look, but then when the camera panned back, you suddenly had all this multicolored kind of like, you know, neon stuff going on the screens, which took took your eye eye away a bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I thought it looked uh, it looked all right. I mean, I, I I was primarily just watching it. I, I would have just not watched it. I didn't watch the last takeover because I I really didn't like the one before it, that in your house one that they that they did. I thought that was fucking terrible. And then and then um. But it was just that this Finn Balor Carl O'Reilly match was just getting such a good rating on Grapple. Like it, the, the average is like four four one, and I thought, well, I should, I should give it a go and give it a watch at least when it's it's scoring that high because that's the highest rating for any WWE match this year. So I thought, well, I might as well might as well give it a go. And I probably was like expecting to watch it and think, ah, oh, people have gone over the top here, and it's not actually as good as that sort of thing. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was spot on you know i enjoyed it a lot more than i've enjoyed a lot of the matches in the in the g1 to be honest and it's probably the most i've enjoyed balor in five years at least i just thought that whole it, it, it felt like it felt like it was like 
a proper it was proper wrestling it was like real like like real what i liked it like out of my wrestling where it looks it looks real and it's physical and it's aggressive and it was just seemed like very different to wwe style and what you used to see in and you know i thought they told a great story there with obviously the, the stomach with carla riley and then him coming mm-hmm. back working the knee with balor and things i thought it it was it was it was like really really good good stuff and you know I, I was sort of towards the end of that i think i ended up giving it like a 4.25 um, so not quite at the level of, of the average on the app, but still, again, that's the highest I've given a WWE match in, in you know easily twelve months or more kind of thing. So you know, really, really enjoyed that, and I was kind of left thinking, oh, if this is what they're serving up at the top of the card, kind of thing, maybe they can entice me back in, and um, especially with that change in aesthetic, you think, oh, is there a step change here? And then, and then I remembered this wouldn't even be happening if it wasn't for Killer Cross getting injured in that match. It would have still been his bullshit on the top of the card with the amateur dramatics and all that sort of thing. So it's probably just a bit more of a, yeah, take this as a uh, step in the road, enjoy that one match, and uh, don't go uh, don't go diving into NXT, Gareth. <laughs> well, when you've got, like, Ridge Halland coming out with the, the corpse of Adam Cole out of the match, you've got a reminder <laughs> of what NXT is these days. But I think it's similar to, like, remember when um, Tim Thatcher first signed for NXT? We had, like, that mirage of, like, three or four weeks of them booking them really well, and I was having, like, these really interesting, grimy, grapple-fuck-type matches on WWE TV. Didn't last, though. Uh, this, I suppose, it's at the main event level, so maybe there's more chance of it, but, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd probably share your passes in there, Gareth, because I, I loved it, too. I went, I went four on, on grapple, so I'm a fair bit below the average. Um, I think people who really like WWE matches are going to rate them a lot higher than, than I would. Um, I think I'd save it. You know, the average is what four point four one, which is big. I saw a lot of four and a halfs out there. I mean, you've got to be, you know, that that's high level New Japan match territory mm. for me, and I don't think it kind of it hit that. Uh, well, either high level New Japan territory or, or a death match in GCW one or the other uh, for it to be four and a half stars for me. <laughs> but uh, like I, for me, still as far as like a match in the WWE setting, like four stars is like as high as I think I've given anything in a long time. And for me, JP, it was the same as Gareth. It was the fact that it was, it felt like a match that mattered, and it felt like the things. Like you said, Gareth, you know the, the 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 whole you know stomach stuff and the you know spots in the match paying off later actually mattering and you're being rewarded for being invested in what is actually happening within the wrestling ring rather than you know the nonsense that comes around it that is uh, usual for a for a big WWE match. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a breath of fresh air, and I thought Kyle O'Reilly was. I'm not you know I'm not a Finn Balor fan by by any means. He's Mister Three Stars to me. I've never really got him um, as a wrestler even when he was in New Japan, to be honest. Um, but Kyle is someone I've always kind of liked on the quiet, and yeah, it was nice to get him to see him out there getting to, to do his thing and uh, and show him what he, can, what he can do at this level. Because, you know, as we've seen in past years in, in New Japan, you know, those you know matches with Kushida and other matches he had in the junior division when he was allowed to go out as a singles that made my top tens um for the years those years like he's he's got that in him um and it was great the uh, jp to get to get to see that um on a on a wwe stage even if maybe we are pessimistic as to whether it's going to be fleeting or not yeah yeah i mean it feels and i, and I completely like agree with a lot of the comments where it, it was a match where i'd seen the ratings and i thought okay um this is going to really have to live up to it but i was completely sold but it felt like a match that they just transported from somewhere else and put into their main event with a build that was completely sensible and logical, hmm. with, which was about building up a star, something they can't do generally. 
and they did it and they used the archive footage they've got access to to create some really great video packages that made you interested and made you see this is Kyle O'Reilly, the single star. And you mentioned the Kushida match. I was thinking to myself, what's the last great Kyle O'Reilly singles match that we saw? Would it have been the Kushida match? Mm. The the one in Japan? I know yeah. we were at the one. Two years in a row. I had that in my um, top 10 matches of the year, them two. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and then in terms of Bala, I was thinking, what are we going back to kind of matches against Tanahashi? Like, would that be as far as as we kind of go? Oof, because a lot of yeah. the problem is a lot of the kind of Bullet Club stuff always had the kind of bullshit element to it as well, especially around that time. So they're kind of there's not as many of those kind of like like kind of Bala matches towards the end of that run. You'd be you'd be looking for like sort of a considerable amount of the sort of junior matches, yeah. but they just brought the best out of each other, mm. and it was simple, but it made sense, and it, and that kind of then added something to what was going on in the ring because you didn't. A lot of the other matches earlier on, there's a lot of it where I was enjoying it and then there'd be some bullshit that would happen and mm. it would take me out of it for a bit, like kind of needless stuff. And this had none of it. And it was just done in a way where you have someone getting a chance from this faction who doesn't normally have it, but you know is good. And they're kind of showing you they're good on this level. And he was... The fact they were both bleeding from their mouth, that kind of stuff just like really added into the drama. But... There was no fat on it. I never found myself bored at any point. Like, you know, sometimes some of this stuff can really drag. I mean, I went 4.25 because I think at this point I'm being sort of more, especially in this era of wrestling, I'm more discerning about giving out four and a half. It's like, they've got to be fucking incredible. Like some of the stuff you can't really miss. But this was, it was, like I say, it's like they took this match kind of out of a Japanese promotion and lumped Mm. it in there with a sensible build. But I also think they're going to remove that and put in the guy who wants to pretend to be an MMA fighter mm. instead. So, like, we're not a million miles away from that. But it's it's the best thing they've done with Balor in, what, a couple of years? Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, this won't last. They're just a fad company at this stage. and There's no faith that they'll carry it on for a long period of time. Although I would say it's... I don't know. There's a there's a The main event you saw at Clash of Champions was was quite good there's been some fun on these kind of wwe big show cards recently Mm. not the big show obviously (laughs) but there's been some stuff that's kind of worth dipping in and out of but it all comes down to that is it still worth your time and investment for it yeah i think nxt's become like everything else in WWE, where it's like i'll i'll watch it but at a distance and i i, I don't get myself too invested because i know i'm probably going to get disappointed um but at the same time you know obviously that in your house show wasn't great and the last pay-per-view wasn't a killer but you know takeovers still they're still good but they haven't got it's not good in the same way is it it's not in the same reliable way that they were for years uh, it's kind of like this was you know overall even looking at the grapple ratings for the entire show pretty much all of the matches have got decent ratings and it sounds like it was a you know a good show a well-received show overall but at the, but i still don't trust it uh and i, I certainly mm. like I, i'm sure you guys are the same as me did you even know there was a takeover coming on sunday like it was like i think i found out like that day 
I, I did. I found out I, it was literally about like eight or nine o'clock on Sunday that I'd like found out and I'd been on Twitter for half the day as well, kind of thing, just <laughs> flicking through football stuff and NFL stuff and obviously wrestling stuff and things as well. And and then I just suddenly saw something and I was I was like, how the fuck can I not have known that there was a takeover happening tonight? And then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to sit up and put ratings in tonight. But then I made the executive decision not to uh, not to and just put them, put them on there. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted to message just to put a, a, a reply underneath it going, lazy bastards. <laughs> but in fairness to you, Gareth, you have got a lot on at the moment. <laughs> just a just a bit but um just a bit. but yeah but yeah no that was a i was thinking how can you not know and i think just that placement of it as well a bit being on a, a like a sunday night as well just feels weird for a takeover because it was always mm-hmm. the it was the saturday night thing wasn't it and it was always a good one for uk fans obviously that you could sit up and you could have a few beers and things and you know watch it and that that probably like for me was always part of it as well that it wasn't a wasn't a sunday night thing it was you know it was something that you could uh you could plan around and watch live and 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 like build into an enjoyment there but the one thing that did jump out for me is mm. as i was like scrolling through i was nearly sick in my mouth was when i saw the uh the classic wcw halloween havoc logo with an nxt splunked on the top of it i was that was just like huge double take. Like I was, when I first saw it, I was thinking there was going to be some great. They're going to there's, on the network. There's going to be some like best of Halloween Havoc or something like that. And then I saw the NXT above it, and I was just like, "Fuck you!" Like you could at least have changed the font, kind of thing. Just to show, it's going to be so far, you know. Like some of my happiest WCW memories are Halloween Havoc so for the for the good and the terrible kind of thing. So yeah. uh, it really really fucked me off that they're, uh, they're 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 taking that under their wing. Just to keep Cody from trademarking it, obviously. Of course. They'd better have a Chamber of Horrors match. They really <laughs> have to have a Chamber of Horrors match. They'd get me back if they did that. Spin the wheel, make the deal. That was 92. Yeah, you can do yeah. that. Use the fucking, what's it, what's it called? The 20s chimney sweep. What's it? Um, what's Rich Holland, get him. Get him. He, could be, he could be involved in that, but you know. Um, <laughs> 20s. Maybe bring Bray Wyatt in, bring bring the feed in from main roster. I feel like you could have a good Chamber of Horrors match now. No. <laughs> you could do. Who's going to be in the Abdullah the Butcher role? Yeah. Uh, I want to see Abdullah the Butcher getting fried. That's, Samoa that's, Joe, that's maybe? Chamber of Horrors. I honestly thought that was one of the great shows when I first watched that. I watched that videotape fucking countless times, that 91 Halloween Havoc game. It's awesome. Yeah. And then at the end of it, always thinking, why did Lex Luger win the title back? <laughs> It's only when you get older, isn't it? You realize, like that. Like I was the same. That that lo- I loved rewatching that Chamber Horrors match, botches and all, and you know the electricity not working and all of that. Yeah, great. The great handle keep on coming down. Yeah, yeah kept falling. <laughs> Abby's not got the thing anywhere near his head. No, not even not even protecting There's... kayfabe, JP. Shot ref cam or ref? Oh yeah, ref cam. Yeah, where they had like the helmets on with the camera. That was there, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I remember that. No, and the other one in the corner. And just to bring, just to just to bring it back as well, it was the uh, the debut of the Halloween Phantom as well, wasn't it? The, that that Halloween Havoc, which was for me as that little Rick Rude fan, uh, that was just absolute absolute heaven. So seeing that, the amount of times I watched that tape and suddenly, yes, I can watch Rick Rude again. That was that was yeah. that was fucking great. I'm going to watch this tomorrow now. This that's me set kind of thing. Like fuck oh, exactly. the G one tomorrow. 
Halloween Havoc 91 is going on. And there's a captive audience to enjoy that magic as well, Gareth, I might add. So this is the perfect time. And maybe it's Abdullah the Butcher. That's what they needed. That could be it, couldn't it? That could track Well, you know it. You're watching these fucking wild brawls in Puerto Rico and all Japan. <laughs> as a family. Well, now I know what we're doing, uh, we're doing next week instead of the G1 coverage. <laughs> Halloween Havoc yeah. retrospective. There you go. Um, Back to this NXT I mean, show, though. <laughs> yes. Did you guys have any other thoughts Sorry. on the rest of the stuff? On like, I was just going to run through, like, on the the grapple averages. Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, three point six seven. Kashida Velveteen Dream got three point one one. That Santos Escobar, Isaiah Scott, three point seven five, and Io Shirai and uh, Candice Lorry, three point five four. Not bad ratings. Um, but I don't know. Did any of those uh, stick out to you guys on rewatch JP? Any of that? Any of that? Where you would uh, you would push our listeners to go out and watch? Um, I mean, obviously the main event would be the one. And if you're going to watch the card, like most of the other stuff on, on the undercard is, is, is generally good. I mean, I thought the, the word I had come to mind is when I was writing the notes was this is good, but it's very overblown. Mm. It's like really OTT. And that's probably the thing I find about Johnny Gargano. Now that I struggle with his matches Mm. is they're kind of, we're through the looking glass on this. And so I like, I enjoyed the match and Damien Priest, but I just found it was kind of like, it just became so crazily spotty towards the end. Like, and I thought, yeah, this is fine, but I can't really go above three and a half on this. Mm. Um, Kushida Velveteen Dream was, um, yeah, that was interesting. You to see. Interesting storyline to work in, he's trying to break his arm, which I'm sure is for several reasons, he's trying to break his arm and then probably break the other one and his fingers. Stop him fucking using his phone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was generally like it was it was Kushida's the heel, heel as well. And I thought, really, Velveteen Dream. That's the that's the match you're going to turn you're going to turn him heel against. Okay, that's an interesting decision. Mm. Um, yeah, like that one you can you can skip for it. I thought the Santos Escobar. Um, uh, Isaiah Squad. I just want to say Shane Strickland. Yeah, match. He's still Shane Strickland. I thought Strickland, that was actually good. I like. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I saw that. I, enjoyed then, that. I gave that three point seven some, five. Yeah, I went three point seven five on that, and I like that little stable again. Not knowing anything about it, it was like okay, this is an interesting kind of little stable and a title there. Although it just feels like they're taking the build they kind of did for Andrade and just giving it to. Um, it was El, El Hio de. de Phantasma. Yeah. They're just given given that to him entirely. So they're going for this kind of like there's a stereotype of what they're doing with Hispanic wrestlers of they're going for basically a narcos look. And it's just like really is everyone going to be like this? Like sort of like cold calculating business businessman type figures. Um but the match itself was 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 good. There was a, a kind of a, a good logic to it as well. Um Lots and lots of kind of high flying again, kind of overblown, but I enjoyed it. Um, the women's match, I was enjoying it, and then there was a Johnny Gargano mo- moment that completely took me out of it, where the referee got knocked out, and then he came running in in a shirt, in a referee shirt, to do the count really quickly, and it was like, what the fuck is this? And then there was an argument over that, and that kind of took me out of it for a bit. Um, so I went three and a half on that, but generally on the whole. I enjoyed it. So if you're going to go back, in some ways, I'd be intrigued to see what people would make of the whole card. 
it's not that the undercard was. I suppose this is knowing nothing about it and having very low expectations also comes into it. So I'm kind of thinking, is there a bias there on my part? Um, and then the main event leaves a good taste in your mouth, which is ironic given that they were both bleeding from theirs. But it was really <laughs> like the kind of, it was the kind of thing you went, see, see how fucking easy it is. I want to win the title from you. I've been trying to do it for ages to get really high up there. Let's have a match. Huh? Don't need 20 odd fucking writers to tell you that, do you? Mm. That was done in 10 seconds with no fucking thought. Like, seriously, it's, they overcomplicate stuff to a ridiculous degree at times. And, um, oh yeah, in case you're wondering where the Mad Max stuff, they gave some to Ember Moon. She came back afterwards. It was really weird there. Tony Storm. Oh, looking like she's um, coming back. Credit to Chris Linney on this, but like Tony Storm looking like Holly off Red Dwarf. Like in that, like a oh, black bracket. I was just going to say that. She <laughs> like yeah. a floating head. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him take the screenshot. head just talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a gimmick. It works. Just put a H on the red. Yeah. Know? <laughs> and then someone in a motorcycle just said, oh, what the fuck is happening here? This is going on. And then Ember Moon came out mm. in basically like kind of Mad Max clobber. Mm. Um, just like with some big fucking thing on her shoulder. And it was like, right, okay. Yeah. She's back, is she? I'd forgotten she was there, which says a lot because I remember enjoying her at the time. And it says a lot about what they did with her. Because mm. I remember en- thinking, okay, she's new, fresh face, She's clearly got something, you know, had a couple of really good matches with Asuka and it was like, and then went up to the main roster and then I can't even remember what happened after that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's got a a weird feel over at NXT right now. It is. I think you've hit the nail on the head there and just being overproduced, too many fingerprints on it. It's not the simple presentation it once was. You know, the way I think some people feel about Osprey in the G1 is the way I feel about Velveteen Dream on these shows. Like, it takes me out of it whenever he comes out. But and then, worse. Yeah, well, much worse. Yeah, much worse. Like, this yeah. bothers me ten times as much. And it's just, you know, their their insistence on continuing on with him and defending him at all costs. Like, for what, really? Because I just don't see it in him anymore. Um, that whole thing with Kashid. I mean, I know you made the joke, JP, but... You know, people, mm. you, you can't, like, I've, I've, I saw people literally saying that, oh, yeah, I see Kashida's, like, trying to trying to, trying to to hate Dream there. It's like, he's, no, he's not, he's working yeah. with him. The, the two people working together and the two people who are just, you know, it's, people are happily working with Velveteen Dream and he's on these shows and they're happily keeping him on these shows. Um, and it does. And they like never a... made any announcement on him. Am I right? Oh, there was never nothing. a point they made a statement that said, there's an investigation and we didn't find anything. Not H even anything angry. like that. Anytime, like someone tries to, a journo tries to ask a question about it, it gets moved on from. If people even try, to be honest, so yeah, that just makes the whole thing feel dirty as well. And yeah, just it's it's just not for me right now, really. As much as like you know, from the bits I saw from the show, you know, again, I enjoyed Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. I, I went three and a half on that. I enjoyed Santos uh, Escobar and uh, and Shane Strickland. Like I said, I went. Uh, 3.75 on that and I went four on the main events but you know it hasn't got me excited for watching NXT on Wednesday um, I will say that yeah. um, I mean other than that uh, other than TakeOver you guys been been watching anything else did you uh, watch uh, AEW uh, from last week I know you mentioned before Gareth uh, it's uh, one of the things you've managed to uh, to sneak in uh, between uh, between G1 watching uh, I've got to say like again probably keep this brief with it with us releasing on a Wednesday morning again that first hour of Dynamite this last week was probably 
as good an hour of TV as I've as I've seen. Like uh, especially in this pandemic era, at least like that that combo of kind of of kicking off with like you know Darby Allen and Ricky Starks with that great TV match that went three point seven five on that. I've won three point seven five on a lot of uh, Darby Allen's bigger uh, big TV matches. Like the two of them couldn't be more clearer like potential stars uh, if not stars already uh, i thought they were both great in that we got the great uh, and i mean great cody promo uh, i know it was a little bit cheesy with the pretending to walk off to the back and come back out again uh, but it landed for me and it sold me on on this week's dynamite which will uh, be t- tonight at a, a time of listening for everyone and okay we had a maybe 10 minutes too long FTR match as well in that first hour, but it was a solid enough tag as well. Uh, second hour kind of uh, fell off a cliff for me as far as the show went, and there wasn't uh, near as much to, to to have a loving about. But certainly, uh, I love that first hour. I don't uh, don't know where you were on uh, on that one, Gareth. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I thought that first hour was absolutely cracking, and I think just getting things started with that um, Ricky Starks Darby Allen match was. It was it was absolutely um, fantastic. I think the um, I think the chemistry between them two mm. was just like off the charts. The, God, the, the it was as smooth as anything. I think the way that they've built stuff over the last few weeks, like they really kind of got across that there was this like clear like hatred between the two, especially in the way that they you know worked. It, it genuinely looked like they were like really trying to hurt each other, which you know is always always going to go down down well with me in a in a match like that, especially on a TV match where you know often you do see a bit of kind of going through the motions and i just thought there was you know real real you know aggression cutting through there some lovely counters and things i just thought yeah these are two people who i just want to see working together you know for a long period of time and you can get so much mileage out of it and i think that as well it just sort of i, I often think this is the aw and certain talents it just stood out to me as they're two guys that if they'd signed to NXT, like they might not even be, they might not even be on TV yet, kind of oh, thing. Or that's you know, so if, depressing. If, you know, think about, think about know, Darby if, Allen in the WWE system. Oh, you've really depressed me. Now, imagine. I'm so he'd glad he'd be on Raw Underground getting smashed. Oh, he imagine would, yeah. imagine how overproduced he'd be though. How they'd just like tweak his gimmick and just make it like instead of being genuine, it'd be like mm. you know, it'd be like Toys R Us version of Darby <laughs> Allen or something like that, wouldn't he? You know, they're, they're just just in the way that they do things with his makeup and his ring gear and things like that but i think again it was one of those where you know where you're doing the damien priest analogy and like how old he is and things and then you've obviously got finn balor on there and things and it's mm-hmm. this is the the next generation and this is our training center and all all this kind of thing like literally the you know the the chances of both of them getting on tv and having the level of push that they've had in in aw and in, in nxt would just basically be non-existent and just getting out to work getting out there and being able to work the way they did as well and having that good you know simple again like as jp was talking about from that main event from from takeover but just a simple story of you know that they've like brought to life by the way they worked with each other was was absolutely great and i think i, I saw as well that you know it, this had over a million viewers as well, like at the start of the show as well, when That's they broke down the, the quarter hours as well. And I'm just thinking like, this is great. If this is when like the peak audience is, you know, you know, people watching there who's maybe just like flitting between the two or maybe just somebody channel up and thinking, give this a go. And you get to see, see a match of this uh, 
caliber with these two young fresh faces who are just going out there working well like what a great um oh. you know what a what a great thing for aw to be able to demonstrate that to that many people great advert for aw isn't it that this is what you get you get the these are like you said before about like these are this is like a fresh combo that like you we're going to see like years down the line this is going to be like remember when you saw like using a WWF example like triple h and rock in the mid card and then they, then they had a match for the... Then they had a feud over the IC title. Then they later had a feud over the world title. I feel like we're in on the ground floor on something like that with these two as well. Um, and it is just so fresh getting to... Like, you're right. These are two guys who probably, like... You know, Ricky Starks wasn't even in AEW's plans until, you know, he did the Cody Open Challenge. But these are two dudes that just wouldn't get this opportunity at, at a high level in WWE. They'd be... You know, I know we just raved about his match, but they'd be Shane Strickland in NXT, like... He's just he's getting a bit of footing now, but you know he made it. He's the it took one for me. A couple me. of years to get to that point. He made a terrible decision. He would he'd be a massive star in AEW. I've got no doubt about that. Mm. And instead, he's just a dude on NXT. Um, and these two, same story. I think they're going to be massive stars here. And yeah, like I, I definitely love for the match, Gareth. Like I, I think Ricky Starks, like his timing and just the little things he he does in matches, the way he works as a heel. He's just, he's really, really got something. He's got a star presence. And I love the, the team up with Taz as well, because Taz on the commentary, like telling the story of this thing, was fantastic too. Yeah, yeah, I was absolutely raving about this thing as well. And there's just, there's so there's so much good there and so much potential for the future that, yeah, you can't, this is a this is one of those matches, that just it's a great advert for AEW and for, and for what, what can be done um, when you take a chance on guys like this. And like you said there, Gareth, the proof's in the pudding as well, that the, it's not like they lost viewers either. You know, it was the it was pretty much the highest point in the show uh, in combo with the, that Cody interview. Yeah, and I think there's just so many other people there as well like that, you know, like somebody like a jungle boy who is just there, is, you know, relatively low in the car, but he's getting stacks of opportunities to get on TV. Is some some weeks he's working with, you know, other fresh people, other weeks he's getting to work with Chris Jericho or whatever kind of thing. And they're just there and developing and developing before your eyes on TV as like new fresh people, you know, even someone like MGF even kind of thing as well. There's there's just so many of those people just bubbling in there within the um, within the the AW roster that are just getting getting this chance and and again it's something that we're going to see the benefit you know, further down the line like I that's you know you saying there about like the 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 rock you know Triple H and things like that you know seeing these people who back in the day you see you saw them develop through the card and it's one of like my big criticisms of WWE is like I've talked about in the past is these storylines happen in NXT and then suddenly they've had these several years of development in in, in NXT where you've, you've seen them do everything have great matches have stories behind them and then they come to the main roster and they almost start at the top lose a big feud or something like that and then what the fuck do we do with them now kind of thing whereas you know back in the day it was all it was all about okay you come in you know you come up or you come into the main roster as somebody from a new territory or something like that and it's have that initial feud that you're definitely going to win then you maybe have that one with somebody else who's at a similar level and then you maybe like step on and you're like working towards getting to the intercontinental title or something like that and then you kind of progress up and through the card and you go on that journey with with someone whereas whereas wwe it seems very much more kind of quick hit kind of thing of like shit panic like who can we just throw into a world title match this month or promote him from uh, from nxt throw him in there or something like that or get this guy let's just give him a storyline for a month and try and make him a star in a month and hope everyone forgets the previous two years and things like that i feel like with aw they have got that like kind of 
long-term structure in place for people to come through and progress through and you know we'll you know we are going to see these guys in two three years when they've really had chance to build their build the audience they hone their craft on tv and you know really they're, they're just going to be bigger stars and better wrestlers because of it and you know that's certainly the way i feel like things things are going and this is just a prime example yeah i think the, the only negative i've said from that point of view is with them with them going with these guys they need to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on orange cassidy Thought that was a negative on the show, like giving him that singles match with ten or whoever from the Dark Order, and that died in the ratings. That 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 was like the biggest dip in the show, um, and, and he's been quite reliable. Orange Cassidy is like a ratings draw for AEW. It was like okay, you maybe maybe give him a, give the, that's a gimmick you probably want to give a week off uh, every now and then. Um, that was maybe like one negative for me from the show. Um, I don't know. I I, I didn't love that. I, I don't love this Young Bucks uh, FTR stuff where the Young Bucks are super kicking announcers and stuff. I don't I just don't really understand why the young butts are so mad like I, I mean i feel like i watch the show every week and i don't really understand the the motivations is this a heel versus heel mm. feud we're gonna get with ftr i find that a little bit confusing um and i've got to say that the miro stuff was terrible again the uh the bringing in yeah. bringing in billy mitchell from king of kong should be a positive for me but when it's rusev continue continuing on this path of be of having you know when, when he went to AEW, did we ever imagine that the slot he was going to get was jimmy havoc's slot as kip sabian's tag <laughs> partner uh, that's the way over it with miro so yeah i thought they were negatives on the show jp as much as i enjoyed that first hour it wasn't it wasn't all roses either there were uh some issues there and uh yeah our mate miro is uh is still number one for me as far as his, uh, his presentation in AEW. yep and, and i love king of kong I think it's an absolutely tremendous documentary. Everyone should go watch that. Um, Stop what you're doing, go watch that. Everyone should, yeah, go and watch that rather than the second half of this show. Because <laughs> I, I agree. I think after after the Jericho Isaiah Cassidy match, which I enjoyed much more than I thought I would do. Like I, I did. I don't, I don't know if you thought the same thing. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Not this Luther and Serpentico. <laughs> Thirty years in the making, mate. Jericho's been building this up. <laughs> How lo- how great is it I mean, being Jericho's mate? Like he's loyal oh, to his yeah. faults. Like he will he will back <laughs> you to his dying day. <laughs> no one saw this coming, did no. they? Like deathmatch Luther from Japan. Are you barely remember in the first place, other than being on like videotape <laughs> like, with Anita back in the day? And here he is. He's about to have a, a tag team match involving Chris Jericho. Um the match itself, I actually, I kind of enjoyed. It was just a typical kind of underdog, but it just surprised me actually how good Isaiah Cassidy was. Mm. I thought I thought he was okay for it. I thought the tag match was all right, but then you say like in that second half, there was just like, and the main event dragged. Mm. It really did drag. I looked at that and I thought, oh, we're going to get Pentagon Junior versus John Moxley, and I was kind of excited. And I went, it's a bit mad seeing Andy Williams in the main event of a television wrestling show. And he seems to be getting bigger every week as well, but it was just too long. Mm. And it's, I know why they're doing this. It's something to kind of do as a kind of distraction before Lance, um, archers back, but it was, yeah, it was just like a kind of a bit too, too much for, for me. Um, and the Brit Bell, Brit Baker match was just a match. Wasn't it? It was like that, that first half, especially the brawl, um, I did really enjoy the ball. Like, I thought that was really great fun. And I did think Brody, Brody Lee's got quite a nice suit. And they're in very serious di- risk of sort of like ripping it up on there. 
So I was like, I, I did think to myself at one point, it's like, do you not want to wear a cheap suit for it so you can get that ripped and that kind of adds the effect of it rather than pissing away a few hundred quid? Commitment to the gimmick. <laughs> Vince McMahon would never yeah. wear a cheap suit, so, you know. Possibly I'm overthinking it. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good segment, though, wasn't it? That was my biggest takeaway. Like, they, yeah. they, they, they sold me on, you know, this week's episode coming up. Like, I, I want to see that match Brody Lee. Brody Lee's been great. Mm, yeah. He really has. Like, for all the stuff we say about Miro, you just think, but you did this with Brody Lee and you saved an angle that was fucking going nowhere. And then weirdly, I'm kind of, I've got mm. some interest in, and he shouldn't be working. No, I still don't like perfect. it. I don't like the whole cosplay Vince McMahon stuff. I just think it's too tongue in cheek, but I can't say he hasn't made it work. Like against everything I yeah. think about that gimmick, he's been good enough to get it over, and his promos have been good enough, and his intensity's been big enough, good enough to the point. This feels like a big grudge match next week. Yeah, De- definitely. I I totally came away from that promo just thinking that it or, or that you know promo, and then like brawl. You know, I just thought again, it was just like that real animosity cut through, and I think Brody Lee for me has just got to the point where I'm actually like. I'm actively looking forward to him coming out on the show as opposed to him just being someone who, like at first he was someone who was there and to it you know it it turn up and to me it was just like look a bit shit his gear looked a bit shit he didn't look necessarily confident in in the character of the role but I just think he's got it down now I was saying this last week I think I feel like he's I think he's really he knows what he's doing with the character I think it's is is charisma's shining through i think his you know his seriousness and things like that when it counts is shining through as well and i think it's been a been a massive win for them um i think other takeaways for me as well with this one i mean jp mentioned it there for me was just jericho again just working with a young guy so like that isaiah cassidy match like jericho was bumping like crazy from at first and you think the age jericho is and the status he's got and things like that he doesn't need to be going out there on tv and you know middle of the middle of the show spot and taking as many bumps as he was and things but he just he, he clearly loves it you know he clearly loves working with these young guys because he's done the same with obviously orange cassidy recently he's done it with darby allen and he's done it with jungle boy and things like that he's, he's, he's pretty much just exclusively worked outside of his title stuff with the younger guys and just tried to help kick them on and and develop them and you know give them a bit of a star rub for want of a bit of a word kind of thing on on tv and i think one of the things that came out of this as well was just the with the mgf promos that they've been doing the last couple of weeks and with the um i think there was one a few weeks ago where like mgf was saying about like you know hinting about having towards a stable or something like that i just i just think everything's just to me especially with how over like the song is and things how over jericho is it's just pointing to this face turn come in and i'm I'm just pretty excited about him doing it the other way around and him then being having this babyface run where he's working with Sammy Guevara and he's working with Wardlow and he's working with MJF and even things like Eddie Kingston and things like that there's he's going to be able to do exactly what he's done for the for the young faces with the young new fresh like heels as well who people haven't seen on TV before and you know elevate all of them as well and I'm pretty excited for that and I'm just hoping that this 30 year anniversary thing that they've got is some kind of you know, I don't know, some turn on Jericho and the inner circle turn on him or something because he's kind of been floundering a little bit and they've mm-hmm. been floundering a little bit or something. And yeah, let's uh, let's go and have him have him do the other side now and work with all these other all these other talents and maybe let's uh, let's have him up there against MJF in a, in, in in that role as well because because um, uh, uh, he's still tremendous value, Jericho. Like, 
That, that's what I want now. I want Jericho doing like his ECW Terry Funk run as like the grizzled veteran who just like wants more and more run. He's like the the old baby phase. He can have a um, Luther can be his Tommy Dreamer, and he can be like his backup. <laughs> Maybe that's the <laughs> the catalyst. Oh, I... <laughs> There's money in that. No. <laughs> no There's Luther. no money in Luther. Man. <laughs> There's none. There was what nobody about in a Lance Storm run? Would you up for that? Oh, the Phil Seekers bring them back. That'd be better than Jack Swagger as his partner. I'd take that any Definitely day. Definitely game for that. <laughs> a bit of a, a bit, of, bit of a Santana and Ortiz against Jericho and uh, Lance Storm. That'd be, that'd be a great little, uh, great little run. Oh, that's <laughs> a fantasy know, book. You know we'd want to do it as well. Yeah, little little nostalgia run for Jericho is top baby face. I'm excited <laughs> for it now. Um, Tone would have done it on EWR, wouldn't he? You'd have market <laughs> tested it. <laughs> well, he, he plans all his Fulham transfers on Football Manager. So what can go wrong, JP? Um, I'm sure it'll work. Exactly. Out. Uh, but yeah that 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 again Jericho has been I think he was wrestler of the year last year in like the the observer poll I don't think he's going to get it this year but like yeah this this run has been great and yeah I am myself looking forward to that 30 year celebration I'd like to say I'm excited for his uh, his Luther tag but you know, uh, <laughs> maybe not so much that, but you know, at least he's given it. He's given it. He's got like S- Steph Williams will be happy. Oh yeah, he'll he's be been up. he's he's been onto that um, Serpentico Luther tag team for a bit. He said it on the round table. We were there. You need to keep an eye on him. And it's like, all right, mate. Yeah, fair enough. He turns out he's ma- massively right. <laughs> he saw it coming. Whatever you um, whatever you say, Serpentico. I, was, I feel like his name is like Sir Pentico. Like it's like a like it's like a Lancelot type gimmick or something. It's such a weird what a weird tag team that is. Um but yeah, I was gonna say Steph yeah. told me that Jericho has apparently also got like this reality show he does where there's like just two random mates he's got who are just random blokes because he's Jericho and like he's in his fi- he's getting towards his fifties and he's just he's loyal to a fault and he's got his two random mates on telly. Apparently it's called Winnipeggers and they just go around just like telling old stories about when they were kids and like trying to like recapture the youth. Uh, what am I? What a life he's got! Podcaster, reality oh. show person, and having this little wrestling run. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's gold as Jericho. And he, and he, to be fair, he, I saw him this week as well. Um, donating to um, oh, what's it called from the Observer? JP, who's had the GoFundMe this week? Jim Valley. Jim Valley. That's it. Yeah, he do- big donations to that. Always donates to the big uh, big charity appeals. You know, okay, he has problematic people on his podcast every now and then. Okay, yeah, maybe he does. Uh, he does lean a little bit towards the uh, <laughs> the alt right at times right, on his podcast, yeah. but you know, he gives us some good as well, does Jericho. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll do the full Jericho love in next week when we talk about the uh, the thirty <laughs> celebration. Um, <laughs> did you guys uh, have anything else on uh, on AEW, or did you guys uh, watch anything else this week? Uh, I'm assuming JP, you've uh, you've seen the uh, the Impact pay per view, the N one, um, bit of all Japan. No. Um, you're going to go on that for the next hour, or mate? It's just been G one and football. <laughs> like when it comes to like telly that's pretty much what the constant has been it was like g1 up to the weekend mm. and then there was like 10 games of football in two days and oh. it was like yeah all right i can go along with this it's pissing down outside i'm not going anywhere um so no didn't watch any n1 i will watch the champions carnival final this week i do want to try it there's a couple of starter matches that i've bookmarked on the grapple app to catch up on as well and um yeah, the N one probably isn't going to happen, unless the final between is it Nakajima and um, Kitamiya turns out to be an absolute belter. So, might be interested in that. 
but I suspect Nakajima might win because I think that'll lead to Nakajima versus Go Shiozaki, which is the tag team coming together. But then I say this, I haven't watched a minute of it. Not a minute of N1. I've had no no time whatsoever. Fitting that in as well, that's just too much. Unreal. How they been doing on the app, Gareth? Is there anything uh, people should uh, rush out and watch based on the app? Eric Young against Eddie Edwards from Victory Road. <laughs> hey, I heard, I've heard nothing but good things about that in pay-per-view. I am sad. I'm, I, we've got two right. TNA correspondents on this podcast, lads, and neither of you have seen it. And I haven't even seen it, and I feel bad about it. But I've heard, I've heard generally good, good reports of this pay-per-view. Uh, I, I just, I'm suddenly just thinking there now. I thought I had it recording tonight, but then I've just realised that I think I'll probably set it off recording on, like, Premier Sports or something like that on Sky and I've just realised I don't have fucking Premier Sports so it's not going to be a I'm just going to have a blue screen with a phone number on it recording for three hours so I'll need to uh, need to find uh, need to find another uh, another means of watching that one but yeah I mean 3.8 you, you let Uncle app. JP sort that out mate. Uh, I was going to say <laughs> get the Google Drive going um, but the, oh um, yeah <laughs> the um, yeah Eric Young Eddie Edwards 3.82 on that that sounds like a good one there there was um, on that card as well as like you know just over three and a half Ray Austin Alex Shelley Josh Alexander and Carl Anderson in a four way there which again some you know decent names there I'm sure that's uh, that's that's worth looking at but I think the one that's definitely jumping out for me that I'm um, you know I would I would have wanted to try and watch before today but having a chance was just just that champion carnival final because although there's only a low number of ratings so far on the on the app you know it's averaging out at like four and a half stars it was averaging out you know higher with some you know people whose opinions had you know kind of respect you know wh park giving it a 4.75 there on, wow, on, on the app as well so, you know so that's basically a melt um, to seven that <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, so definitely, uh, definitely solid be six and a half from Dave there next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely, uh, definitely going to be looking at that one. But I, d- I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's too much else from relatively recently that's that's jumping out there that I feel like I, I need to go and watch anyway, unless uh, unless something uh, something crops up when I'm I'm using the filter there on the homepage. <laughs> Always good to plug, <laughs> and the bookmarks as well, so you can remember the matches. Look, it, it's G1 season. Everyone's playing catch up. So if you're playing catch up like us, yeah, the grapple app is uh, is the way forward. Uh, and I'm sure JP will be doing that on a bus or a train or a walk near you at uh, at some point soon and uh, catch it up on his homework. I'll go into that in a bit. Talking today's. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Uh, awesome. Unless there's uh, there's anything else you guys have seen, uh, should we uh, should we get into uh, some G1 talk? Let's do it. Let's do it.
let's talk to you on that. We are past halfway, uh, as we said earlier. We've made it, lads. We've made it this far. We're past day ten, so that's always the uh, the good point where you know you where the uh, the pretenders get found out and uh, people drop off, and then it's unfortunate left to like. Like I, joke, like I joke to you guys before we press record, I think the only people who are, who are watching every match at this point are like, it's basically us, John Way, uh, Joe Lanza, <laughs> Ian Hamilton, everyone else reviewing the G1, uh, and everyone else Eastern is just... Lariat. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All, all those lads are, uh, are watching this thing match for match like we are, but this is the point where if you're not having to cover it for some kind of publication, I think people are getting into the, uh, the picking and choosing. Um part of things this is the bit in a normal g1 where as soon as i hear that god music uh i'd be uh skipping over to the next match but i'm still sticking with it for now i'm doing my best uh, uh have you guys been watching these pretty timely at this point i've found myself letting a couple of days slip here and there and th- like this you know this last weekend for example there were no shows saturday sunday were they? so it was a weird week which kind of made i was like I watched the A block shows as they happened, but I found myself with the B block kind of going, ah, I'll watch that in a couple of days. Oh, I'll I'll get round to that to the point where I basically had to do double duty on the uh, the two B block shows uh, over the last twenty four hours and uh, and catch myself up. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's been a little bit of a struggle, but I'm getting there. I feel like if we had the we have the uh, the soothing tones of uh, of Kevin Kelly and the English commentary, I think life would be a little bit easier. And I don't know if you guys are. Uh, sticklers for the commentary but i think that's been a that's been a real problem i think this this g1 i think as far as interest goes for people i feel like i'm not seeing as much talk on like the twitter timeline and likes and i think part of that is that that we're missing that element of it i still don't get it i feel like if if i can jump on twitch and do a tw stream you know i could probably jump on twitch and and do my own live People, someone actually did pitch that JP was doing our own live uh, mm. grapple commentary for the uh, for these G1 days, uh, but the technology's there and we can do it. So why can't they fucking get Kevin Kelly in a booth? I don't get that to be honest. Uh, I wonder whether that's maybe paying part in some people's fatigue with this. But I don't know. I'm surviving so far. How about you? I have kind of a mixture of the two mm. so far with me. So some because of work and it not being the summer. I'm watching everything in it on the e- in the evenings, mm. and I left a couple of days go because I thought I'll break it up with the with the English commentary. So I'm kind of used to the Japanese commentary at this point. Like the point I can tell when Milano Collection AT is talking, I just think, God, I'm watching this too much, aren't I? At this point, <laughs> um, like when I'm starting to, I did find myself wondering. Do you remember the bald guy with the beard, Yamazaki? I was like, Where's he gone? What did he do wrong? <laughs> He seems to be chipped out. Remember the, you know the fellow I meet? Yeah, yeah. The Japanese, yeah. So one to him. He seems to have fucked off. No Nagami anymore. Um, anyway, I was banging on about them before. So, like, there's no real excuse mm. for it in this day and age, really. There doesn't seem to be any tangible reason. Because I think Kevin Kelly's up with getting up at that time and Rocky Romero. Like, unless they sleep in through the alarm, I can't see any, like, for them, it should be it should be reasonably straightforward mm. and it won't be perfect, but that's fine. We know they're not there. So like, it's not like they're trying, like doing what WWE are doing and putting, I don't know, a blow up Kevin Kelly doll like <laughs> on an aeroplane. They just dress up the pilot from aeroplane into Kevin <laughs> Kelly, draw a pair of glasses on him and Rocky Romero and just put them there and pretend that they're sat there the whole time. It's like, we're not asking for that. Pretty. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. So I did find myself when I was catching up on some of it, watching the English language commentary for it. Also to hear their takes on everything as well, 
because they're doing a lot of kind of general overviews about people's tournaments mm. at the same time. And that's kind of interesting to kind of dip in and out of. It helps. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching most of it live, to be honest. I mean, I, this is it's just been one of the benefits of the situation that we're in now that I'm just working from home. So, again, the sort of type of work that I do from a work point of view is mm. like – I can kind of get up and do a couple of hours earlier on and then just like, you know, switch off while, you know, the the G1's on and just watch it live, obviously update the app and things like that as well at the same time live. So it's been it's been pretty good, really, just for keeping up to speed with it. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely been been working from home's worked. I mean, and from a commentary point of view, it just hasn't phased me at all. You know, I'm probably someone who in the past I would have favoured the English commentary and just having like little elements that you've maybe missed in post-match interviews or little things that like Rocky knows that you need to you know emphasize a bit more or something like that just to to get over a bit more that I'd I'd prefer to to listen to that but I've just found it found it you know quite comfortable really just um just going with the going with the Japanese commentary as well and it's it just feels like the norm now to be honest so um Mm. so don't feel like I'm don't feel I'm missing out too much I mean you can always kind of what I do find myself is sometimes is just just following on with like Chris Charlton on Twitter where you know he, if there are like certain things you know or interviews or things like that he'll be he'll be tweeted out what's been said if something's particularly important or something like that so again you can you know there's there's ways of getting around it and that but you know, I think it's definitely helped to keep me uh keep me on track and not have to be sitting there thinking oh fuck i've got like two shows to catch up on and got to now d- dedicate five hours or something like that to getting myself back up to speed which uh oh, yeah. definitely has helped yeah this this week's going to be a struggle like we've talked about what we're doing next week for recording and we think uh, this might change but we think we're gonna because we're recording on tuesday nights we'll probably wait till wednesday night next week just to make sure we get all of the shows in before the uh the closing weekend um and our takes won't be uh won't be quite as out of, out of date but I'm just looking at down the barrel of that right now over six G1 shows between now and the uh, the next record. And this is where this is where men are made, lads. This is where we uh, we find <laughs> out who the uh, <laughs> who who's the Jay Whites and who's the Gotos. Uh, yeah, of the uh, world. Obviously, Jay White being uh, our hero at the moment. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's get that out the way. Let's get the Jay White loving in, lads. Let's uh, let's talk some A block. Uh, and boy am I glad that A block's the good block and B block's the bad block so we can start with that every week and then uh, we'll probably get our B block takes into about 20 minutes at the end of the show A block's where I want to spend the majority of my time anyway and yeah uh, I do want to say after last week uh, you know we had a fair bit of feedback about the uh, the J1 and our, uh, our J White uh, loving that we've been having even even WH Park had some he pushed back but he's had some relatively nice things to say about Jay White and uh, a couple of the matches we're to talk about today, which says a lot. Uh, but yeah, in this A block this uh, this week, I thought he's he's been a, a star of the block. Um, his first match from this week was uh, on day seven, the uh, the Osprey match. Um, I, if you'd have told me from this week this would be my preferred Osprey match, I wouldn't have believed you. But it really was. Uh, yeah, I thought this was another example of great work from Jay White um, it was another match where you know is I just feel like since he's came back things are just clicking for him uh, both as a personality and as a wrestler in ring he didn't look out of place in there with Osprey he did you know there was a lot of the, the Jay White shenanigans and a lot of gimmickry in there um, but it kind of worked for the match as well it kind of if anything this was a match where i think it's fair to say at this point osprey is a heel um in new japan 
and I think Jay White is the the bigger heel in the match, um, and he kind of Osprey if anything became default babyface in the match. But yeah, uh, you know, look at look at Jay White's heel work compared to like say what Osprey's heel work, which appears to be even Kenny Omega at this point. Uh, and you see the the golfing class in, in being that type of wrestler. But yeah, I thought this was a another great Jay White match, another great performance from him. I really really liked the, the kind of the story of the match with Osprey overcoming. Um, the Gado stuff at the end, so even that was kept to a minimum. We didn't have a five-minute portion in the match where it just we stopped so that we could get a Gado spots in. Uh, I thought these two had brilliant chemistry. Uh, it really worked for me as a match. I went th- um, three and three-quarter stars. Could have easily gone four, um, but yeah, this was a, a real highlight for me of uh, of this week's action. And yeah, uh, another one in the Jay White might actually be good uh canon i think they're uh don't know whether what did you guys uh make of that one and i suppose uh jay white's week as a whole i'll have a go i went four stars on this mm. i i love this and i completely echo a lot of your thoughts and what you've said it's there are things about the way he's working that's so much better i mean obviously the phrase that i think you coined was like high school shooter jay white <laughs> <laughs> yourself or Joe and yeah. it was this idea that he was pretending to be someone else when you think of the tournament he had a couple of years ago yeah, he was pretending to be someone else and at this point it feels like this is him it's much more of him coming through I don't think it's him necessarily as a person mm. I don't think he behaves like he's some sort of like moustache twirling villain when he's knocking around Auckland or wherever but within this he's kind of really found himself and like say with Osprey, it like by comparison, it's just like, oh, okay, you're doing Kenny Omega then. And it's, mm-hmm. it's it feels very, very clear cut in that way. But I think Jay, the way Jay White is working and the fact that like when he is on off, like the stalling stuff at the beginning feels so much more natural to what it is and what the overall plan is. You can see always what the plan of attack is for his matches. But when he is on offense, you don't have these long drawn out kind of, segments or he's able to engage you during those segments whereas before he couldn't so if he was putting on a headlock he was like oh christ here we go mm. but now at this point he's able there he's able to actually kind of do something with that um and he's been a he's just kind of feels like well i don't know the thing i was going to say was it felt like for me in this match the fact that ghetto's um the the um interference isn't working that feels like that's going to be playing into part of the story I feel for him, where it's a case where the things that we're getting him that he, he thinks are getting him needs, he needs to take it up a notch where he has to actually be the one to kind of defeat it. And I like the way, like you say, there was slightly less of it. And I wonder if that is the, because that was my theory all along. That's the direction they're going to go in with Jay White. They're going to separate him away um, from Bullet Club and that maybe he realizes that, effectively he's going to have to kind of move past it and he's gone past his ghetto phase and ghetto can i don't know hang around with someone else at that point but yeah overall like of the two matches um this is definitely the the better of the will osprey matches I'd, i'd go that far definitely yeah four stars really enjoyed it yeah i mean i don't think i need to add much more than that really i think what i've said is pretty much uh or what I've written down here is pretty much what you you guys have, have mentioned there, and it's just again it's it's repeating what 
you know, went through in quite a lot of detail last week, really, in terms of the type of work that he's doing now and the the more mature heel work that he's doing. Again, I think it was just prime here. And I think, you know, I think it was, again, it was so strong that really you saw, you know, Osprey almost, you know, the, the cocky heel thing that he's been doing was sort of less evident and turned mm. down. Well, I don't know if it was purposely turned down or not, or whether it was just that Jay White's heel work was just so clear and so strong that it just overshadowed it, really. And you know, I think, I think it came came through there. And again, I just like, echo what you say, Benno, there with that that chemistry between them. It just, you know, I was on there looking how many times have these worked together before, kind of thing, because they, the the chemistry between them was just felt perfect. I mean, that sequence at the end with like missed finishes and things, just it was so smooth, so fast, and it just, you know, it was it was it was top draw stuff which again it was for me it was jay white the wrestler then not the the heel kind of you know the heel work person the, the actual in-ring wrestler is hanging there absolutely fine with with will osprey again which shows kind of like a step change in his in-ring work as well really which obviously you know he's moving towards having this having this whole package and um yeah definitely uh definitely worked worked great from my point of view and same as you two i would say that it easily was the best osprey match of the um of, of, of the two of the the two a block shows that we're covering there because um yeah the other one i was very underwhelmed by which i don't know if we're talking about now or yeah, yeah. We, we can get into it i mean i mean i want i think the strength of that osprey j white match though was that it plugged osprey into a structure it was a very simple structure you know j white working over his knee and healing but it just it grounded the match um in a way that you know, kind of forced it to tell a very not that Osprey's big matches don't tell stories, but it forced it to tell a very, very particular story. And I'm sure Osprey will have his haters and people who don't enjoy the. You know, he was selling his knee, but there was definitely times where you know he just he, he, he'd power up a bit and he'd, he'd do a springboard or or whatever. I don't mind that stuff in a match. I always think like with if you compare it to MMA, you know, when someone's hurt the leg or, or at the elbow, do they walk around with it falling off or do they try and fight through it and try and continue to, to finish the match um that was the kind of selling I, I feel osprey was doing here but i know a lot of people won't like that but yeah i think that was what was so good about it that it was it, it was similar to the conversation we had about the ishii osprey match this to be honest was osprey slotting into a jay white match rather than the other way around and i think it was much the better for it like if we'd gone a you know imagine like an osprey shingo style match you know and trying to plug jay white into that you're not getting that instead you're getting osprey in the jay white match and it gave us something different. And to be honest, like you compare it to that other Osprey match, and <laughs> I actually went the same star rating with the two of them, which makes me think I should have gave Osprey J White the, the full four rather than the uh, the three point seven five. In fact, I think maybe I'll rescind that now and say that is a four because I gave three point seven five to the the Kota Ibushi match, but I was so much more disappointed with it. I think maybe with that style of match where you're expecting a blowout match of the year type type of match. 3.75 is disappointing um and it certainly was for me and i don't know what you know what it was that, that that was so disappointing maybe it just felt a bit rehashed and a bit you know them doing that uh that runner off the top reversal where abushi has to sit there and look shocked it was like that wasn't even a nod that was just a retread like a nod would have been like doing the reverse and having maybe kota abushi reverse something off the top they were just running the spot again um, and it felt a bit great at hits. I don't think it was bad by any means. I, like I say, I still gave it three point seven five, but underwhelming is probably the word. And you know, they were given the platform main event on on A Block Day Nine, um, and yeah, they just 
didn't deliver for me. I don't know. Did you got what what ratings did you guys go? Did you guys go much lower than that, or is it more expectations rather than you know what it actually delivered in the end, Gareth? No, I mean for for me this is very different. To, I think last week I talked about the expectation around um, like the Shingo match and the Ishii match kind of thing, like definitely clouding your opinion going in. And while those expectations were there for me with this one, again, I, th- I probably didn't go into it with the same expectations because of how it felt last week about Osprey and the, the way that it p- performed in them two matches. And, and, and this, I mean, I give it 3.25. I just wow. did. I just didn't, um, I just didn't enjoy it. Well, you know, I enjoy it. You know, it's 3.25. I enjoyed it. It's an average match, but it's Will Ospreay against Kurt Rebouche, and it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it because of the expectation side of things. I just didn't enjoy it as much because it just felt... It, it didn't feel like a match to me. It felt like there was no intensity in it at all. It just felt like there was a series of sequences that they knew that they were going to do, and they were almost like pieced together, I think, you know, you say in there about like that retread of the of the hurricane run off the top, but it just felt like there was just little. Okay, we've got this little three minutes, we've got this little four minutes kind of thing, and they just they were just there, and in, there was nothing in between them really that kind of built across the across the match as a as a whole for me. I didn't get a feeling of the. I didn't get a feeling of it being a competition, and like I think in like the last few you know, weeks with like reference things. And I've said about like, Oh, I'm not into, you know, that flippy style and things like that so much as I like things to be like hard hitting and realistic and things now, but some of Osprey's stuff where he has had the best matches of when it has looked real and it has looked credible and it's looked like there's been a purpose behind what he's doing and things like that. And then it has, there's there's been a need for it and it has felt a bit more realistic. Whereas this, it it felt like I was watching, you know, this was almost like early Osprey to me. It was just like circus show stuff kind of thing. Like here's a, here's a flip or let's go through this sequence that we've done before, but let's go through it at half the pace or half the intensity or something like that. And why are we doing it now? Oh, we'll be doing it because it's a good spot, isn't it? Kind of thing. Not because the nature of the match or the conflict we're building in the matches work towards that or anything like that. It just, I think like uncohesive is the word I've written down here kind of thing. It just was, it did, it just didn't connect with me at all as a, as a, as a match really. And again, when you're talking Ibushi Osprey, you know, you, you wouldn't expect that. And it almost it felt like a little bit of a day off, just like there, let's go out, throw out some greatest hits and see where we are. So, you know, I've given it 3.25. It was a 3.9 on the app. So Again, it was liked, but it wasn't loved either kind of thing by anyone out there. It's not going over four, which if you'd have said to me, Ibushi Osprey, you know, I'd have been saying before, and it's averaging over four, there's no problem kind of thing. So, again, there's clearly people with similar similar opinion to me. Yeah, it's like, if anything, it was like it was house show Ibushi Osprey, wasn't it? And I'm still fine with that. I will still give that 3.75, and I'll I'll lap that up. So I don't think I'm as down on it as as you were, Gareth, and I doubt that that's shown in the rating but i was still disappointed i was still like you say expecting a four-star minimum um and i kind of felt the same way that coming out of ishii osprey as well uh, i think osprey's had a good tournament but i think yeah these were these were two matches that i had marked in my calendar as these are the match i literally i booked monday off work that's how that's how i was like i wouldn't mind a little day off work 
because I've been having to go in the office, unfortunately, during G1. I was really hopeful I'd be able to uh, to work from home and sneak it in like you, Gareth. And I thought, well, if I'm going to book a day off, it's got to be an A-block day. And I was like, oh, there you go. It's a Monday and it's Osprey Bushi. Let's have that. And yeah, if anything, the highlight of me tape was watching, you know, the um, the NXT TakeOver main event rather than this. Uh, and yeah, again, maybe just expectations. Uh, Where do you land on it, JP? Are you, are you nearer to Gareth? Nearer to me, uh, I'm guessing you haven't broken the four-star barrier for it. No, I, I went three and a half. I, I suppose in some ways I'm I'm closer to Gareth mm. in that I just sort of never felt engaged, and the finish just kind of happens. Mm, it does yeah, and that kind of threw me out of it, and I was like, oh, okay, it's over. And before the match, like when you think of the stuff I'm looking forward to, I'm thinking, okay, so this is their third match, right? You've had the Wrestle Kingdom match last year's G1. This is the third match. They're main eventing. You're thinking this is probably going to go near half an hour and it's probably going to be like a 30-minute sprint. So you talk about the expectations. They're all there. And I fear that as part of the character work for Osprey of being a show-off, you're going to get the spots that Gareth described. These kind of disconnected, very show-off. These are the spots that I, that we can, I can do because I can do them. And that's the kind of booking that I new japan kind of likes doing where someone changes their match style i mean they're doing it with a carder aren't they or someone changes how good their matches are as part of an overall story about them and i think that's that was part of the effect here because the kind of other stuff that you lost you talked to, about the competition gareth this was like a battle to go top of the a block like as well there were like mm-hmm. these states that were actually reliant uh, yeah. on this match that were that, that were there and it felt like none of that was evident. Like you say, it was just kind of like they're doing stuff as a throwback to like PWG or something along those lines where it just felt like an exhibition. It didn't feel like a G1 match. Yeah. That's, and that's probably it. And it's not that it's bad. It's not that the spots that they're doing are, are bad or anything else. But you don't have any real engagement with it. And I don't know. Like In some ways, it's like you know, it's like when you go and watch a film and it's got all the very good components of it. Tenant, for example. And then you, I just felt sort of bitterly disappointed afterwards. That's not as bad as Tenant because that's just fucking bollocks, I might <laughs> add. And they talk about people not going to the city. You know, City World's dead because of that film. Just put that out there. Um, <laughs> Boris has been telling us all to get out the cinema, though, JP. We need to uh, save our cinemas. Yeah. You know, is that all we all need to do at the moment? <laughs> we got to leave by ten o'clock as well. How's that going to work anyway? <laughs> um, yeah, shit show of a government. But yeah, for this match, it, it just it felt like an exhibition. It felt like it had these components to be good, and it should have been good. It should have been better than this. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like I say, I want to be the defender because I think I liked it a bit more than you guys, and I can forgive those things because it is the style of match that I will often enjoy. But I can't disagree with that statement uh it just it wasn't what even i wanted it to be uh, and yeah i think that's uh that's a real disappointment considering they had the slot it got and like i said the fact that i booked the day of, day of work for it as well i was uh especially uh more disappointed for that if anything you convinced me i should have gone three and a half on that and four on the j match uh i think maybe uh yeah i'm, I'm further away on we come to, i know we... i know Joe would be God very pieces. <laughs> yeah, this podcast's gone a fucking hell in a hand, hasn't it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Oh, I'm <laughs> no, Yeah, no. it's all that. Yeah, you 
It's it's Steph, isn't it? She's pulled an inception on us. To pull in, in <laughs> I was gonna say finale. it's not Garrett's fault. It's definitely Steph. Uh, if, mm. if she's if she when she's even got WH coming round a little bit, I think that tells you everything. Uh, Lord knows what Joe would be saying if he was uh, still on this thing. But I mean, speaking of like expectations versus reality, I think the next place to go for these A Block days is the uh, the two Ishi matches because you know there was Ishi Shingo on day seven, which was you know the match I absolutely expected to love and i did like it and then there was ishii taichi on day nine which i didn't really cross my radar and honestly if you pin me down i think i enjoyed ishii taichi a little bit a little bit more um there's not much in it we're talking like two four star matches really um but again baby expectations versus you know what you got it is the difference maker for me because yeah that that Tai Chi match is fucking great. It's like the one of the best Tai Chi. Match. I know Tai Chi's not as he get he gets a lot of grief, and I don't think he's quite as bad as the grief he gets. And I think a lot of it's a little bit outdated. Um, he was very very bad a few years ago, and now he's he's fine, depending on who he's who he's in with. But out of the two matches, I, I think yeah, I think that'd be my pick. I think Ishishingo was great, and it was what I expected it to be. It was just maybe about ten minutes too long. Um, probably because it was a main event, and they they almost feel they have to push the thirty minute limit when it's a main event, and it kind of left them having to fill a bit more time. That I feel when I feel mm. like that's a match where you just want to see the two lads go hell for leather. Um, it's minor criticism because you know I still landed at a four, but yeah, I, I don't know if you if you gave me the two matches right now and the choice of watching one or the other, I think I'd probably watch the Taichi match, um, and that that tells you everything really as far as uh, Taichi's performance in it. Um, so let's go to you first, Gareth. Where did uh, where did you have these two, and uh, which was your your favourite of the two? Well, at the risk of uh, ruining your podcast even more, um, oh, like, no. I think this, <laughs> I think um, I think that. This tournament for me has just been like a big, like coming out party almost for Tai Chi. I've I've been so like in in the same way that I've raved about Jay White. I mean, last week I went pretty positive on Tai Chi as well, and this yeah. this week I think as well has just really kind of like cemented it for me. I'm like fully on board with him. I think he's I think he's had a fantastic tournament. I think um, I think this match with 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 Ishii just showed that you know put into that style of match where you know, that real heavy hitting style and, you know, wrestling at that pace and for that length of time and things like that. Like, yeah, I feel like he absolutely hung with him. And I know, like, Ishii can have a great match with fucking anybody, but Taichi held his own in this. Like, I, I really thought, I thought, uh, and I thought, I think the main thing for me with it as well was that he just came out of it looking really, really credible, I thought. And uh, from me just, I don't know. If you asked me 12 months ago, he's like, yeah, he's a lower mid-card heel kind of thing. Like, now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, he could be the top heel in the company kind of thing. If something happens with Jay White and Jay White does turn leave Bullet Club and turn face or something like that, I'd have more faith in putting, you know, putting the money behind Taichi now than you would like Evil or somebody like that has been somebody that you'd be, you'd be going for the top spot because... He's proven here that he can work a lot of different styles. His, you know, his his character work is absolutely excellent. You know, I think delivering in this match from a, you know, phys- you know, physicality point of view and uh, uh, you know, looking real point of view and you know, really exchanging heavy hit and stuff with Ishii just came across really, really well. And and it, and like he lost the match, didn't he? And I think he just came away from it looking. It was one of those classic things of lose the match and come away from it looking even stronger than. Um, 
stronger than you were before you went in kind of thing and i think that's absolutely you know what what you what you'd want from a performance like this and i mean you know i think i give that for um 4.25 like i you know really enjoyed the, really enjoyed that i did actually go slightly higher on that um shingo ishi match i think that is just more for me that's just more i don't know that's that's just my cup of tea that mm. is just uh, like for them literally just coming straight out and just getting right into it and just you know really uh, matches like that where it really feels like you get towards the end and people have just gone to war with each other and they're just absolutely just you know they both look exhausted and then it's just like near fall near fall and they're knocking hell out of each other that's always something that's going to be go you know go down well with with me and you know i think that again they're just absolutely delivered here with just some like again, I don't want to get into like move by move kind of thing, but like just some massive suplexes, some huge lariats, you know. Like again, like headbutt exchange. Like Ishi hit Shingo with one that was absolutely sick. Like it was horrible. Like you know, it was you know, and it, you just felt like they just absolutely knocked the hell out of each other. And then at the end, they're like still headbutting each other after the bell, almost like instinctively because they'd gone to war that much that they could they couldn't stop kind of thing and you know I, I ended up going four and a half for, for that for that one it, but i mean again it was just you know while I started this talking about tai chi and obviously him it'd been a bit of a coming out party for him it was just again two examples of ishi just like mr g1 basically go out there mm. have a four-star match with absolutely anyone you know totally deliver and um you know i put that graphic out this week and well, you know, I've highlighted before, eight of his nine matches were over four-star average last year. Every single one of his matches this year has been averaged over four stars as uh, as well. Like, talk about somebody reliable that you can just throw in there with anybody and he's going to have a great match. He's never having a night off. You know, he's going to make, whether he's got 10 minutes or 20 minutes, he's going to make every second count. And, you know, you, you're not going to walk away from the end of an Isha match in a G1 thinking, yeah, that disappointed or I was expecting more from more from that too much. Completely go along with that. Um, I went slightly higher on the Shingo. I went four point two five on the on the Shingo match. But I went four stars on the Tai Chi match. I thought the Shingo match is like my comfort food, very much like what you said, Gareth. So it's like I could mm-hmm. watch it. I kind of knew what I was getting into it. And even though I it was over long, I mean, this is probably where your expectations come in. Um, in that the Tai Chi match, I. I'm saying low expectations. And I've been kind of more up on Tai Chi, I think, over the last couple of years, where you'll have these good matches. And it just kind of, during this match, it just hit me. He's a terror. He was a terrible junior heavyweight. He was like an awful junior heavyweight. That's because he's a heavyweight. That's what he is. And being plugged into this style just appears to be the thing that connects. And he has the potential to kind of raise his game. And there is a potential sort of spot for him because he does get crowd reactions they do engage with it you can see that they're going to go towards a tai chi gun tai chi gun at some point as well so that that is going to be happening um i mean all the stuff you mentioned about ishi you know god it's it's think of wrestler of the year and in some ways you go well it's him isn't it like if you're thinking of no big kind of champion having a great year it's just him he has these brilliant matches that the crowd absolutely love they're authentic. His selling is absolutely awesome. He just builds up those big spots. And you think his finish is a brain buster, like a move we've all seen thousands of times done by other people. But in this, it's it's like 
you're just completely engaged with it. He's he's perfect for this tournament, and he's the kind of person that when it is his last G1, like deserves just this enormous send off. And I still think, like, I'd love to believe there'd be enough for crowd reaction if you had him go through a final one year. Just mm-hmm. what that kind of reaction would be. I know what, what my reaction would be. I'd be like, like, kind of, you'd be watching it like a football game, like watching a big, like. I don't know, like Gareth watching Liverpool getting through the Champions League final or something. It'd be like proper engagement, wouldn't it, with with something like that? And I kind of think the crowd clearly like him. It's like, you know, let looks and marketability be utterly be damned on this one. And like, this is someone who's got one of the more genuine crowd reactions that you're going to find. And it's based on this idea of, he has fucking brilliant matches that are completely believable with a whole range of opponents. And he doesn't, he's never like, he's always completely true to himself. Anyway, there you go. Bit of Ishii loving for you. G1 season. It wouldn't be G1 season without an Ishii loving. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like yeah. I said last week, uh, I tried my best at York Hall, JP, to tell Ishii how much, how much I enjoyed him in the G1, but I don't think he even knows or cares the fans are, are big into, <laughs> you know, that, that he's like... Couldn't the, give a shit. Like, Jackie's got any awareness that Western fans like us are so into him and, like, see him as this super work. And he probably, he's like, I went out there, I did, my, I did my match, I did my job, I went home. Like, that, that's Ishii, isn't it? Like, he's probably got no clue, yeah. like, how revered he is. Um, but, yeah, I think we all, I think we all want him to have that little moment in the sun, don't we? And have that little, you know, that that gold watch moment. Or, like, even, you know, he's he's up on the uh, the Observer Hall of Fame ballot, isn't he, JP? Um, I think it was maybe Pollock I heard talking about saying that, like, this is... This is the year where he's like, you know what? Like, just based on work, I might actually go for it because you've got to be. The thing with the Observer Hall of Fame is you've either got to hit all the categories, which is it's basically drawing power, is it, and uh, in ring ability and historical significance. But if you're really good at one category, you might still make it in. He could make it in for my for my go, and like he is like he's been the one of the best wrestlers in the world these last five years, uh, consistently as well. Lord knows how he keeps doing it. Um, I suppose the uh, the other big story we should get into then from uh, from the A block is the continuation of the uh, the Okada story. I feel like he had two story matches this time out. Really, I don't think I there were much to write home about the uh, the Taichi match was you know again better than maybe expectation. The Suzuki match was felt like you know we said before we had House Spray Osprey Ibushi. That to me felt a little bit House Show Okada Suzuki. Just never really got going for me um i thought it was interesting as well from that story point with okada that it was very clear that like well there's no way they're getting suzuki to tap to that fucking money clip um although they did make taichi do that didn't they but you're not doing that with minora suzuki and it was like well okada can't bring the rainmaker out yet either because i suppose that's going to be the payoff to this story so what should we do well victory roll whatever he'll just roll them up and the finish just came a little bit out of nowhere for that but more good storytelling, I think, with this with this Okada story. Um, and like I say, it's uh, that money clip thing. I like that he's having a little bit of success with it, but you know, obviously, it's not going to be enough to put put a, put away a shooter like Minoru Suzuki. Um, and I did read as well in the Observer this week. I, I didn't realize Okada's apparently he's carrying an injury as well, which maybe explains the the I don't know the he's not going balls to wall um, at this point in the G one, but. I'm enjoying this uh, this story ticking over and a couple of uh, solid matches there, Gareth. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you again. I think it was just all about story, wasn't it? You know, it was nothing. It was just the, the development of this this route that they're going with, with the card. And I think that the most significant point across the two matches for me was just that that point where, um, you know, Akada a, a in the Taichi match, like he, 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 he did a lariat and then he was like holding the wrist of Taichi and looked at the crowd and it was almost like, rainmaker kind of like you know should i should i go for the rainmaker kind of thing and it looked you know it was it was just you know the camera focused in on the holding of the wrist kind of thing and you know so it was it was it was it was straight there and you you see in a card look to the crowd and you thought oh aye, aye, kind of thing what's happening here and then there was a taichi ball shot to break it up and then eventually it went to the money clip but i think just that seed there kind of thing that it showed the the doubt in Akada's mind. Do I need to go back to the Rainmaker here to, to finish him off? You know, should is is this is this what I should be should be going for for just a second or two kind of thing? I think it was just a nice something that was laid out there, and I'm sure it's it's something that's going to play out as we get a bit later on in this this tournament. But yeah, like so, same as you there, really. They're both middling. You know, I give. 3.25 for, for both of these matches. I think when you look at the average on the app, the, the, the Taiji match is a 3.47. The Suzuki match is a 3.34. So I think across the board, people are generally kind of just giving it, you know, slight, you know, slightly higher than three ratings, really, um, which, which again is probably what you're expecting with the story that they're telling the card right now. I don't think anyone's expecting him to go out at this stage of the G1 and be having classics with uh, Teichu and Suzuki when they're, when they're trying to push what they're pushing. Yeah, I went three and a half for a piece on those. Uh, what about you, JP? Uh, three and a half on the Taichi match, 3.25 on the Suzuki match. Completely agree with both of them, with what both you said. I mean, there were story matches. They're there to tell. They're not going to be great as a result of it. Um, and I did like the tease, particularly in the Tai Chi match. I thought his selling of the money clip was very good, considering it's a terrible finisher. I thought he did actually a good job in kind of making it convincing, I thought, out of everyone who's been in it, just again to go on to the Tai Chi love. But yeah, it's not going to happen. It's, you know, it's next week. That's when, you know, we're going to start to see. It'll be next weekend, basically. At that point, we'll see what the real Okada is. Mm. And whether or not, you know, and, and where it goes. Has he I, still got it, JP? That's the question. Has he still, has got, he it? still got it? That's the, yep. But it's, do you know what? It, as storytelling goes, I'm absolutely fine with it. And if you've got other good matches around the card, you're more willing to kind of accept it. Mm. If there's two other matches that are better matches than that, you go, this is fine because I get where they're going with it and you know they're leading somewhere. Mm. It's just if, if that's like you, if you're doing that around like your kind of main events too much, then yeah, that's where your problems are. For sure. Uh, as far as like the other able action goes, just to, to round up quickly, I mean, there was two Jeff Cobb matches that were Jeff Cobb matches. <laughs> I went three and a half on his match. Hey, with Jay I thought White. the Abushi one was. All, oh, I, went, I thought the Abushi one was. All right. I went three point two five on that. I would say in both matches we got we got some hmm. sign of what what he's got like i feel like kota Ibushi especially dragged out like some of the more i don't know interesting jeff cobb offense you know there was little hints of matanza in there a little bit in that match uh, i thought jay white dragged a, a better story out of him uh, i'm still not going higher than three and a half on a on a jeff cobb match and yeah the the other two matches of the blocks was uh the, the yujiro block which was uh shingo and yujiro on on day nine where i went two and a half and suzuki and yujiro where i went 2.25 so that tells you where i am with uh 
poor Minoru Suzuki having to attempt to take Yujiro seriously as a wrestler um, and sell for him on the outside and have a there was like an extended period in that match where he was trying to sell for Yujiro and then eventually he just took control and just won the match pretty straightforward uh, that was probably my, my highlight of that um, any thoughts on that Jeff Cobb Yujiro in general Lord yeah those are uh, those other odds and ends uh, we've got from this uh, this A block action this last week how about you Gareth yeah, I mean, I think just as I'm looking down at matches there, I'm just thinking that's not a great deal to to write home about, really. I think the the only thing that you know sort of jumped out me jumped out for me was um, again, I know we I know we have this kind of you know this idea of anyone can beat anyone in the G1. I think it was Cobb just beating White. I think that was mm. that was something that really surprised me. I know JP probably booked it and tipped it in Voices of Wrestling, probably. I saw a tweet from Steph where she said, are you trolling me with that result? And I went, <laughs> fuck off. No way that can't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And they gave him as well, similar to the Osprey match, they gave him that big moment where, you know, Jay White's like fooling everybody with this Gato interference and Jeff Cobb is the one who can foil it and, and beat them both on his own. Like, that, that to be fair, yeah, that, that was where, is worthy of highlighting because while I thought Jay White dragged into a decent match, it was... It was definitely. It felt like one where you know the way like Ghetto's probably got like a big whiteboard with all the results, and he's totting the points up, and he's like, you know what, we give Jay White too many points. It's like when I do me pickums, it's like, yeah, I've given Ishii eighteen points again. I need to, uh, I need to rethink these pickums. He's just gone. Ah, oh, who can he lose to? Ah, yeah, go on. Jeff Cobb can have a win. Like, I bet you yeah. that's the extent of the thought that went into that one. Probably, and it felt like it as well, just with the finish and everything like that. It just felt a bit like what kind of thing at the end, but. I uh, hope just uh, just just flow past it really, and I just think uh, not a great deal there. Mm. I would say, I mean, I, I, I on the Yujiro front, um, has he been? And this is with the lowest of expectations. Has he been as bad as you thought he would be in been... these matches? Have those matches been as bad because I actually don't think they've been as bad. I don't think he's any good. That's but... the thing, isn't it? Like, even if he tries, he's not going to get past like three star or like someone might drag him to better and has you know he's had a couple of matches where he's been dragged to better but like his 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 normal range is like two and a half to three and a half like it this is just who he is his, his average across the tournament across his five matches is 2.68 and like the the peak the peak of that was you know he, he had a three with osprey and and at the bottom end he had a 3.39 with a card so you know he's he's pretty much within a not point six span there really isn't he kind of thing of where, of where his ratings land and to be honest that's that's what you'd expect for him and 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 that's that's what he's there for isn't he kind of thing really you know at the at the end of the day it's you know i made this point previously it's it, everybody can't be going out there having match of the night and you need those matches there where people can just pick up easy wins and they're not going out there to have a 20 minute classic and things is there to just have a reasonably average solid match where you know it looks you know it goes for seven to 11 minutes or something like that probably he gets a bit of offense in but puts somebody over and makes them look good at the end of the day that's why he's in the tournament and that's what he's that's what he's doing and if that's if that's his role he's doing it as you know as as well as you would want him to do you know there's been no fucking monumental fuck-ups or disasters so far but then it's obviously a it's a bit tricky to do that as well when you're getting in there with osprey and Nakada and shingo and things like that really so he's obviously guided by them to some degree but 
Yeah, I mean, he is what he is. I don't know what people are expecting. Like, he's going to come in and, you know, have one-star matches with everybody, you know, I think. And for me, it's got to be an upgrade on having Farley in there and having, like, the big interference jobs and things like that. I'd much rather see somebody who's going to go and work for work for that 7 to 11 minutes and, you know, put on an actual match and, you know, lose at the end of it. And, yeah, fair dues. You might get one win and there. Like, again, fair, fair fucks to him if he gets it. I would say he fills a role. I'm just annoyed I have to watch him fulfill that role is the issue. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's awful for having a G1 podcast more than anything. Um, yeah. you, know, you need a Fulham, don't you? Uh, you need someone who's going to lose their matches. So I do get it, but it doesn't make it any more fun. Uh, um, speaking of not fun, do you want to talk about the B block? <laughs> we should do a podcast, really, where we just cover the A block. Um, that's what... Um, you absolutely loathe the B block. I hate it, mate, honestly. Like, this is what Matty did last year, you know. He watched whatever the J White block was and just didn't watch the other block. And I'm like, you know what? Genius, that. I feel like I feel like if I wasn't podcasting, I'd be tempted. I don't think it's bad. I just don't care. <laughs> I just think it's like... And that sums up... Mm. You know what that, know what that is? It's the, it's the LIJ dudes, and I count evil in that still. I just don't care about them. I just... Ah, oh, like... If we're going to start anywhere, Sonata Naito, like... I put that off until literally last night, like to watch that, and that's the longest I've gone before watching a G one match. And it was still just fucking. It's not even like it's bad. If it was bad, I think I'd, I think I'd be happier. It's just boring. I just don't fucking care. Like, oh, just Sonada, man. I, I gave it three stars. It's got like three point seven six on the on the app. So people are more into it than me, and. Yeah, I saw um, what's his name, the uh, John Carroll, who does wrestling. Omakase pointed out that of the final days, the B block days actually sold out, and the A block day hasn't sold out yet, as far as ticketing goes. So these lads are clearly a draw. So I'm wrong as a dumb Westerner. I'll I'll accept it, but fuck me, I just don't care about this strifing about Sonada making his big comeback and about you know. Evil maybe finally getting his comeuppance. Evil who had one of the worst G one matches so far with with Kenta and for me has got a three star ceiling himself. Um yeah, I just I just wasn't this B block week broke me, I think. And it is it's those lads, it's those <laughs> lads on top, and it's that that's another Naito match. Twenty seven minutes, eight seconds. Like we don't need the just chop fifteen minutes off that and I might be fine with it. Can't deal with it. I'm getting wound up. I'm frothed at the mouth. JP, save me. Did you like it at least? Because fucking hell. Like, I, um, I don't understand these ratings on Grapple. There are these... Okay, so there are these little minor pleasures that have nothing to do with the LIJ story that I kind of get out of it. Yeah? So there's bits of Tanahashi I've enjoyed, and this is going to sound an incredible statement. Um, Yoshihashi has been as good as he ever has been That's that true. I've ever seen. Still not good, though. That... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that never six man has, has somehow lit a fire under his ass in a way that nothing else could do beforehand. You'd have thought sliding and twatting the, the side of the ring with his head would have been the thing that might well have done it, but no. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was this. But yeah, when it comes to the storyline stuff, I, I'm just like, can we just get to the fucking chase at this point? Can we just cut to the chase? Whatever like kind of feuds you're going to have but like between you i it's just like yeah we're watching a lot of this stuff because we're doing a g1 podcast Mm. and it's almost like the lij stuff 
for Santa, but I'm just kind of like blocking it out of my mind. I'm watching it. I'm giving it a rating. I'll put down a few notes and then I'm just like, right, let's park that fucker because that's 27 minutes gone. And I don't want to think about what I could have done possibly in that time. And it was like, uh, like evil Kenta. I think I went three stars on that. I'm trying to think like of, of the rate, because it did start off quite well, the B block. I mean, that Tanahashi that night weekend match was... fooled us all. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, although, I got on the bus to watch this show today, <laughs> and I got on, and I'd watched Yotasuji Yuyamura walking to the bus stop. So that was like a nice 15 minutes. It wasn't raining. So I, like, 15-minute time limit draw as well for that. But then, like, Goto went like a like 10 seconds with Yana and that just cheered me up. I went, I'll fucking get in. But he got four matches to go and I shouldn't be looking at a G1 B block card going, oh, right, four matches to go for it. (laughs) And a lot of the stuff, it's like, for the most part, I mean, I enjoyed today more than I did that day eight, which was the biggest of slogs and I did need the English language commentary to help me actually fucking do it. Mm. I actually done it because when I tried watching it with the Japanese commentary, and it's zone out, don't you? Possible, you... I, I fell asleep, mate. Yeah, and... I, I, I fell asleep. I was like, ah, oh, I just can't. I just can't take this in. Hmm. And it was the evil Kenta match that did it. <laughs> um, out of those three matches, arguably, I think I preferred Hiroshi Tanahashi Yoshihashi. Wow. To those, yeah, yeah. I mean, like on that. Day, I, I went mean... three and a half on that. And then like three and a quarter on Sonada Night and three on Evil Kenta. I'm just I'm just looking at mine. I went three and a half on Tanahashi Yoshihashi as well. I went two and a half on Evil Kenta. I fucking hated that. Like I just I just can't deal with Evil. Like I've just got I've got nothing good to say about him. Um, he's the most bang average wrestler. To I, I won't go as far in the modern era to be IWGP champion. I don't know if that's gonna get me some pelters or not, but yeah, I just didn't get it. Um, and I went. Like I said, I went three on, on Sonata Naito and that was more just a lazy gentleman's three because if I really were, well, what I thought about it, I think I'd give it one star. Like, honestly, I think it says everything that my, like you said, that, that day was such a slog, that day eight. Like, my favourite match on the, on the show was probably Zack Sabre and Goto because they went four minutes and they just fucking, you know, I love that. Like, Zack Sabre zoned in on Goto's shoulder and it was a quick win for the tap out artist. And you got the payoff as well on day 10 with Goto managing to get an even quicker win against Yano. That was probably my highlight of these, these B-block days this week. I think that's as Everton, JP. Well, I would say the C-block match between Gabriel Kidd and Sota Yuji is also up there. That was a really good 15-minute time limit draw. Mm. And I think he might be rivaling Sonada Naito. What is going on? That really shouldn't be the case. It really shouldn't. But I think I went 3.25 on that opener, which in young boy terms, Mm. if you translate, it's probably about 4.5, 4.75. It's like Mm. that upper echelon. They got such good chemistry together. Whereas Mm. Sonata and Naito, who fucking team together and travel around, it's just... Like they've just met. Oh, yeah, it is. It just doesn't really click. Mm. and it was Sonada's own town, and I think at that point I'd gone for Naito and the Pickham, so I went, oh, this is double fucking kick in the teeth as well. <laughs> it'd been a bad, yeah, I think it'd been a bad day in the Pickhams as well, so I was sort of like, yeah, that day eight, I'd love to, like, kind of throw away. That always hurts. 
I think with that one, they're like the Sonata Night Owl thing for me, you know, as for all the failings on it, for all the things that were wrong with it. I think fundamentally the two things which just didn't come across to me at all in the slightest was one was like that desperation of Sonata needing to win because mm. like obviously he hadn't won anything up to that point. So in theory, he should have been going in that, into that match absolutely Balls to the wall, all guns blazing. I've got to win this match. You know, there was nothing about that at all. It was just his usual, just stone-faced self kind of thing with just no emotion, just no engagement, no fire, no nothing about anything that he did. And then also, obviously, he's going against Naito, who's his, you know, LIG, LIJ stable mate kind of thing. And there was literally nothing that he did in the match to sort of demonstrate that this is like a match between two allies kind of thing in the way that you, in the way that you, you typically would, there'd be, there'd be elements there of like within the match, you know, just storytelling thing of things of just like, you know, they, they literally just sort of like started the match and just, just had a match. There was no pleasantries before the match. There was no conflict before the match. There was no nothing. They just, they could have just been two blokes who'd never met each other before and just went in there and just were like having a fight down the pub or something like that. Cause one of them would just knock the other's pie out of his hand. And if that was the case, there'd be more emotion definitely because someone would have been fuming about their three pounds Carlin that was all over the Weatherspoon's floor or something like that. But it was just, it was just absolutely devoid of any emotion, any conflict, any, you know, any story advancements or something like that. And then, you know, I made this point last week, but for fuck's sake, that fucking skull end, the whole, oh. like, he, there was two escapes by Naito. Yeah. He puts him on the third attempt. Naito was out you. of it. It's like, you, 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 haven't, you haven't won in this tournament. You've absolutely got to win this match against Naito, the world fucking champion to advance or at least get yourself like a bit of momentum in this tournament is press is is passed out he can't he can't breathe what am i going to do oh, i'm going to fucking let go and go miss a moonsault again like it's absolutely just preposterous that i i, I cannot like i just can't accept it i just can't, I can't, it's like every time he puts that on i'm just like well let's just wait until his opponent's beaten but then he decides no i'm not going to take the win i'm going to go and fucking miss this moonsault again one more time and then, like and and it and and it happens every single time and i'm just left there looking at it thinking you are a fucking moron why should anybody like get behind you or want you to win or anything like that you're just an idiot so like and then you know come give me a give me a reason to like want you to win no there's there's no reason to want you to win so just fuck off like oh i'm i'm absolutely that bloke like you were talking there about the popularity of LIJ, and I think I remember, I can't remember if it was for 2019 or 2018, but I think it was 2019, and it was some poll in like a Japanese wrestling magazine, and basically it was like, who's the most popular, you know, who's your favorite wrestler in the world? And I think Sonata came one, and Evil came three, and I was just like, at that point, that was like a red flag kind of thing that I was thinking about, and then clearly they've paid attention because of the way they've booked them going forward, and what's happened with Evil and the position that Sonata's been been put into, you know, there's there's obviously clearly, quite clearly some western disconnect there that that mm. comes across but surely when you're trying to expand your brand and expand your product and appeal to more markets and things like that surely you look at the guys who've actually like effectively done it and uh, you know are delivering on that basis because they're the ones making you money at the, at the end of the day and like ugh, if if this now on the back of this run within beating zach was that today that was today wasn't it yeah mm. the, he beat zach like if he's now putting this run together that he's getting to the finals or at least you know getting into the mix kind of thing 
like why? I, I just I, I just can't understand why. And I know that that all started from a fucking friend yet again. Just <laughs> <laughs> touch of a nice with me, but like just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be me going off on the vlog. There you go, Gareth. Couldn't have said that yeah. better. Just fuck off. I'll take that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I can't say anything better than that. I just, I don't see it. And I think the only benefit for me is that I've got Sonata winning him a pick'em. So if he goes ahead now and wins every match, that'll right. do me good in the post-C block. So that's all I've got, really, as far as positives go. And, and you know what, though? I, I, I actually, like, I've, I've got annoyed there and things thinking about it i gave that match with zach today 3.75 and then when i think about it like after the match when i was putting my rating in i was thinking but that was all zach it was like everything that was good about that match was zach all the motion in the match all the all the um the 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 pace that was in it the the little nuanced elements of storytelling and things like that 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 were in there the you, you know it was all the, the reversals coming from him and then the um, just the, the facials and the crowd work and, and everything that went towards putting that match together has been something that I enjoyed. It essentially was just Zach with a fucking broomstick in there, you know, just, just, just putting that on. And like, you know, for, for me, that's, that came out as one that was, you know, I gave it a 3.75. It was, it's just a touch under three and a half on the app. So like, you know, people, generally didn't didn't love it um really on that basis but oh god i mean i, I can't watch sonata anymore i just, like i think i'm i'm I, I, god knows who he's got left in this in, in this tournament but i just can't even i can't even think that any of these matches is going to be remotely enjoyable and then if he's then putting a match at the end with he's got a big spotlight on him like yeah. You know, he's is is in a final or is in is is he in a block to decide on the final day? Does he take on evils? Evils, evils, Sonata. That's where we're like, headed, Gareth. <laughs> fucking hell! Both like, of our dreams coming through. Oh, yeah, I will say there is always that chance that like it's that little bit of danger that Jay White added last year when we didn't like Jay White at all, hmm. and he got through to the final, and it is just like, oh my god. The, the, this is an awful scenario for the dome, and they didn't do it, and we kind of then laugh it off. But it adds something to the match. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't like Jay White had an absolute belter against Ibushi last year, and I can't see Sonada doing it. Although if he is against someone like Okada, that's his best match is against Okada. That's the best match he ever had. But my God, can someone just give him just a kick up the arse and go, mate, can you even look like you're fucking trying at times? Please, God, please. And I'm reminded by the night after Royal Quest um, and the, there was a show at the cockpit and it was like going to be a special announced surprise. I was knackered from Royal Quest. I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. So I, I, I sold me ticket to Will Cooling and I had a bad feeling. I thought I I want it to be, like, if Tanahashi was there, I'd be gutted if I missed it, but I don't think it's going to be Tanahashi. And, yep, the big surprise was Sonada in the main event. You know what? He half-arsed that as well, apparently. Joe was there, and he was fucking livid about it. He couldn't wait to run out and get to his car. Yeah. I think we're all, we're all <laughs> yeah. scarred from, like, that's, I reckon, like, you Japan think Sonada and Evil have been, like, you know, they're getting, they're getting over in the UK and we're getting them over internationally. No, we're all scarred from it. We don't want to see them wrestle in their fucking t-shirts ever again. It, 
it's a it's a split in that kind of fan base. And I suppose we we talked about on the round table like a long while back, where there is that if you've got that investment with Lij, then I, I suppose you're there. I'm just not there. Yeah, just not there at all. I yeah. I am just like. I don't know. There was a point I liked most of them, most of them theme songs, and now I'm at the point I hear, I go, oh, for fuck's sakes, here we go, skip That's through a, that. A minute. That's another House of Horrors one. Do you not like that with them? Yeah. The, the new evil music is at least so preposterous <laughs> that it's like fine, go with it. Yeah, I keep wanting but to use that for the podcast theme as well, and I can't. There's no good copy of that out there, unfortunately. Uh, be the one thing I thought you were just troll- I thought you were just trolling me last week when I listened back, and then it was <laughs> the, the, song song the, start. the <laughs> <laughs> No, that's because it was four in the morning, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm going to bed. I can't find this fucking song." Um, yeah, it's not out there, unfortunately, and that would be the one positive of this fucking act. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing with Sonata as well is at the start of this tournament when he had like I, I talked about it either last week or the week before it was. Like he had new, he had like a new gear and a new look and things like that. And I was thought like, ah, oh, okay, let's give him another chance, kind of thing. Is this like new gear and things? Is it going to be a, I don't know, a change of style or a change of personality or just like a, a different approach that he's he's bringing to the table? Like, no, exactly the same as what we've had for years. And if if anything, we've seen it all before. So it's getting like incrementally worse because we just watch it again and again and again and he gets no better and then like uh. falls upwards is the thing because yeah I, I really think my pickums are going to turn out right and he's going to win this fucking block like I honestly think that's where we're going um, I say all that but like what you said before I had the Zack Sabre match I did actually like that today I gave that three and a half that was actually my favourite that was the highest rating I gave out today um, so at least there's that uh, that's the thing though when he's in there with Zach. Sonada just decides he's a technical wrestler all of a sudden and we get like these weird technical exchanges you don't get in any of his other matches but I would agree with you it's uh, the vast majority of it is Zach um, that may be interested in that thing uh, yeah that was as high as I went um, on the day 10 as far as uh, the blue box action today went I went 3.25 on Tanahashi Kenta again just 10 minutes too long for me um the average on that's 3.84 on grapple, so maybe that just tells you how exhausted I was with the B block before we uh mm. we slap record tonight. So maybe maybe that's a bit of a baggage I'm taking to her as well. But nothing especially uh moved me today on this uh, this B block show. I found it a bit of a chore. Um, although I, I do I, I saw um Mark Buckle who's doing the post review said it was one of his favorite days today. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a bad mood because of Sonada and Evil. Um, argue against me if you want, lads. Was this a good day today? Am I just about been made bitter by this uh, this B block and this G one grind? I can completely see why. It makes sense. I know what it's like. We've been through this. Wasn't there a B block a couple of years ago that was just like hellish to get through on mm. the mid patch? I think it's better than maybe what you think it is. Like it was possibly one of the more solid days all round, just because it had that like kind of absolutely like flash opening pin from Goto but that I was went good. I enjoyed that 18 I, seconds that went yeah, I, yep exactly and they kind of need more of that but I know these shows are generally like two and a half hours is what they're liking to do but I went 3.75 on Tanahashi Kenta I've really yeah. enjoyed large swathes of Tanahashi in this tournament I mean even though he is broken down he's arguably the best broken down he's been for quite a while if that makes any sense, like he's his knee, you know, his knees and his back and the rest of it are all very clearly kind of shot. But he's 
he's just able to still have a kind of classic Tanner match. And like we speak about Ishii earlier on, he can just kind of get that and almost like through his own kind of sheer force of will at times will get me to enjoy his matches. And I've found Kenta more interesting in this tournament, like at times than I have done in other ones. And it just feels like ultimately he's like a weird fit for Bullet Club. It doesn't really make any sense. He's just kind of this weird lone character who ultimately is not as bothered about winning or losing. It's kind of, it's, it's a very kind of strange dynamic they've gone with him. Um, and it's shocking. I went three and a half on Naito Yoshihashi, which I fucking enjoyed. That was the Yoshihashi thing I was, I was on about. I was shocked it went 25 minutes. But basically, the timing of it was I got on the second bus home um, I've got a new mask. So I was breathing that bit better <laughs> and I was watching this and I was like, yeah, it's about 25 minutes door to door getting back. And I watched it and I just found myself engaged, not to the point where I nearly got killed crossing a road or anything, but I was just like, what is going on here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like this is more fire. Like, has he been threatened with something? Are they holding like something against him? Not like saying a family member hostage or something. <laughs> But something's making him work and work harder. And I'm saying, again, three and a half is the possibly the top limit I'm going to go for a Yoshihashi singles match. But think about how bad we thought he was going to be in this tournament. And then think about how he's been. We talk about Yujiro, probably like at expectations for what it is. I think Yoshihashi has surpassed expectations. Not dramatically. I'm not a maniac. <laughs> but just like, a, just like a little bit to the point where I've gone, do you know what? That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, there's nothing of his I've gone, ah, oh, fuck off, or like anything like that. I've generally enjoyed him. Please just roll. Yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was looking at that today because, again, I was a, I was a bit like you. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, I thoroughly enjoyed both his matches, really, in the, the last couple of days. And I've ended up giving him 3.75 for both, <laughs> both, of the, both of the matches. I think the, uh, the, the Tanashi one and the, um, and the Naito one have, have both been really good. And I was thinking, well, how has Yoshiashi performed like in this tournament? And I was I was looking and his average across his five matches is like three point three seven and that feels like that's that's like decent. Four point seven five in Yoshihashi's terms. Yeah, and I was looking I was looking at other people. So is like what I did was I've stripped stripped Yano out of the equation because obviously anyone who's faced Yano, they're always gonna get their average dragged down. So but like Kenta's on a 3.42, so essentially his his matches have been the same as Kenta's. Sonata's on a 3.39. Now that's no great praise, so, but he's on basically he's on parity with Sonata. He's above Evil. He's above Juice Robinson. He's slightly above Goto. Um, so, and like Yoshiasi at 3.37. Zack Saber Jr.'s average is 3.5, kind of thing. So he's only just behind Zack Saber Jr. So if you think for a tournament performance across five matches that he's had there, you know. He's been solid and he's been consistent. You know, he's put his, you know, he pulled, he pulled evil to a three point four three average rating match on the app kind of thing, and that's, you know, that's that's one of evils. That's one of evils. So, well, it's the equivalent of Flair Kerry Von Eric, isn't it? (laughs) And he's so pissed up that he's forgotten he hasn't got a fucking foot and all the rest of it. Are we a Yoshihashi podcast now? Is that what this is? (laughs) It really is. I I think it's like. We've lost it, haven't we? This is it. <laughs> I, I don't think to be fair to him. I don't. I think he does his job well. He just doesn't do it really well. It's the thing, but he does it well. You know, like he's he's not he's not 
the low point of these shows by any means, is he? Like, you know, I gave that three, but like I say, I was probably having my, my B block belays. Maybe in real terms, translate that to a 3.25. Decent bit of business for, uh, for old Yoshihashi. I've not gone below three on a Yoshihashi match, so, you know, he's, uh, he's consistent, if nothing else. Yeah. Absolutely, and like you say, he's in there. He's, he's, he's doing a job. No, nobody expected him to do anything. He's performing above the levels that that you'd expect. He's, you know, putting on above average matches, kind of thing, and be, like losing to people, kind of thing. So he's he's almost doing that usual job, but even better, and kind of probably building on his own credibility. You never know. In his in his forties, we might get this uh, late um, <laughs> late Yoshihashi run. Yujiro, <laughs> like, but even Taichi. better, high praise. Yeah, he's a new Taichi. That's <laughs> who he is, and and Taichi is going to be like I don't know at this stage, what the new Suzuki? What's <laughs> going on? New Ishi. What's going on? Yeah, new Ishi. Twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, what a year! It it's is, been a magic year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things have been turned up, upside down. Um, did you have any other notable ratings then for for day ten, uh, Gareth? Uh, as far as the day goes, or any other notable things from this show? No, I mean, I think there when you're like saying about this show being, I don't know, one of you know preferred by some people and things based on the average so far. It's it's the it's the second lowest of the tournament, but it's probably just pulled down because of that. Go to Yano match, which you know it's got an average of one point four eight on the app, kind of thing, which is Hard dragging it rate, down today. I, I didn't rate that. I just thought, I thought, how do you, how do you rate that kind of? You know, it's 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 one of those that I just I, I just leave. But I mean, if you almost take that out of the equation, I mean, when I look at it, I gave that Zach Saber match because it was a Zach Saber match three point seven five. I gave Naito Yoshiashi three point seven five. I gave Tanashi Kent a three point seven five. So the three you know, decent things there and, you know, Evil Juice Robinson was at 2.75. So if you're almost taking that first one out of the equation, the, you know, you know, three of the four were very good matches, you know, on, on, on that scale. And, you know, again, I think the, um, I think the, the Young Lions match again was, was, was good again today as well, really, which added something at the start. So, you know, possibly, you know, possibly a bit unfair, you know, thinking it bringing it down at the, the the show as a whole but you know i think um i think it's one of those i, I think one of the difficulties that we that we've had with this tournament is that there just hasn't been yet and sorry if i'm going to be generalist here kind of thing that absolute elite level match and I, th- I think that's one of the things that's been lacking like obviously i put that graphic together based on the first six days that i put out on twitter the other day and then when i was looking into the numbers behind it um, you know, there just there isn't a single match that averages over four point five. Whereas, you know, last year when you were looking at things, you had like Ibushi Osprey, you had Moxley Ishii. That you know, they both were over four point five. I think there's a there's another one when you work things up to like the you know date you know day ten from from last year. You had the uh, that's right, you had a Carter Osprey from day seven last year which was like a 4.69 so what we're not seeing is any of those matches where you've got hundreds of hundreds of people giving it 4.5 or higher you know I think what we're seeing is you've got that pocket of things that's fallen in that four to four and a half and I don't know if that's just something to do with the the no or not the no crowd factor but the the quieter crowd or less engaged crowd factor that's maybe bringing some things down I think that's probably playing its part a little bit but you are getting some matchups there where you have got that element of expectation in that they they are they have just under delivered and under 
underwhelmed really especially considering some of those for, for the a block if you think about some of the matchups there that we've been able to have on paper and not one of them's walked out with an average over four and a half it's pretty surprising really and you know i think i almost have this feeling with the the g1 as a whole that you're still waiting for that elite something to happen and i don't know when it's going to happen you know I'm, I'm i'm looking at like the um i'm looking at the schedule for for tomorrow in in um in the a block and you know you've got like ishi yujiro akada cobb osprey suzuki mm. taichi j white and like the main of ibushi shingo and i mean if they both turn up obviously again on paper ibushi shingo could be an absolute knock it out of the park you know match of the year candidate but I kind of don't have faith that they're gonna now because of the way some of these things have gone. And actually, as I'm re- reading through that, the one that I'm most looking forward to is Taichi J White, which is preposterous <laughs> to me. Kind of thing that that that's that's the you know. And while we labelled the B block as like the story block, it's kind of almost the story that comes out of that match that I'm more interested in than seeing some of these other combinations from a work rate perspective. Really, you know, I think that's. Um, I think that's kind of a bit a bit telling, really. Terrified, if anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I was speaking to Jamesy this week because Jamesy on Twitter basically said, you know, completely, you know, he's blind to what's going on. He's not been, been following the G1. Has it been any good? And my reply to him was, it has been good. It's just there's a ceiling to it. Um, like I'm, I mean, I sent that tweet before. The B-Block clearly ground me down this week, but... I still stand by that. I think I feel like I've given out a lot of fours. I love you know some four point two fives and some three point seven fives, but a lot of fours. But I'm like I say, I, that feels like it's the ceiling. I, I I can't see myself going above four and a half stars in this era. With like you say, it's not no fans, but it's it's a different type of fan in the arena. I think that is a ceiling. Um, like I say, I have my own. Uh, issues with you know some of the the setup in in the B block and you know I would say you know there's been there's been disappointing matches but overall I've been, I think I'm still enjoying it but yeah I do agree like we haven't had that peak and as we're now past like this middle point this isn't usually where you get that peak now this is where you get you know house show shoes on and you maybe you know your, your great matches are, go- are probably going to be the closing weekend now uh, if anything. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe I gave it a little bit too much credit um, when when I spoke to Jamesy and kind of gave my take on it because I do think you know Ishii is propping this up, Shingo is propping this up, Osprey's had some disappointing matches, but overall I think his average has still been has still been there, um, and Kota Ibushi as well. I'll probably pick them out as my my top four performers with Jay White of <laughs> all people in uh in in the to, in the mix there too. Um, but yeah, I do think it, it, it there is a there's a ceiling on it, and I think that that is maybe one of the things that's making as well as maybe uh, some of the uh, the wrestlers I'm not a huge fan of. Just that maybe is uh, making it a bit of a slog too. I can completely agree with that. I think what both of you say kind of makes sense, and overall, it's not having that kind of great match to be there. But it's also, I think there is a combination in this year, and it's more through the kind of circumstance than anything else. But the kind of ghetto tropes with the booking of this, they need to be refreshed because there is elements of where you think stories are going and the way that they're kind of laid out. 
Like we're all talking about Sonata going to the final. Why? Because he lost the first three. And it's the story of him coming back and winning all the rest of them. Why? Mm. Because we've kind of seen it before. Mm. And there is a lot of that going on. And there isn't a kind of freshness to a lot of this, like in terms of what really kind of unique matchups we've seen. And that's part of the appeal. You throw a Moxley into this and you throw a wild card into it. All, and all of a sudden you've got combinations that are kind of quite wacky. And you don't have that. And that's why I mentioned the circumstance. It wasn't ever going to be that kind of a show. And I suppose overall, I'm there thinking, all right, I'm going to watch it because I love wrestling and I want this to be good. But ultimately, I kind of know, like you, if anything gets up to four and a half, I'd be really surprised. Um, I'd be really, really surprised if that's the case. And it's only really going to be that last weekend for that to be. It's those final block matches. And I don't think Sonata Evil being one of those block matches, last block matches, is going to be the one to deliver it. Mm. That just feels like at the end Watch of them it, kill it now. it'd be like... Will he say words? That'll be the five Half an hour boar fest. They just both shout out 2020 at the end of it and then leave. <laughs> you just go, yeah, of course. Thanks, lads. Bid Miggle fucking middle fingers as they leave as well. Just kick us while we're down. <laughs> Jesus, um, I'm so I'm scrolling through I'm scrolling through the matches here, and I'm looking and I was I just honestly, doing that trying to pick yeah, something else. Yeah, I think the only match is Akada Osprey on the the last day of the A block. I think that is the only match. Yoshihashi up too much. <laughs> hey, there's Ishii J White on uh, day seventeen. I mean, that could be something based on our J White loving and our yeah. Ishii loving. No, probably not. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. You're just saying there about Ishii propping it up. Like, again, I'm looking at that graphic and four of the top six matches of the tournament have been Ishii. Like, thank fuck for Ishii. Take Ishii out of this tournament this year. And actually, you, you've, got, you've got problems, I think, kind of thing. I think it's. I think there's a little bit of papering over the cracks um, to some degree there, especially when you talk about that trope booking and things. And maybe that is that element of like fatigue and expectation and you're too close to it and you know that the way things are, are going to go. Because for reasons other than the Sonada dislike, in that Sonada Naito match, I just wanted Naito to win because it would have been unexpected for him to do so. And it, it would have just turned the story on its head a little bit. And it'd be like, okay, well, where do we go from here? What does what does Sonata do from here now? He's lost four on the bounce kind of thing. And that might have been something that could have like fed into some development with, with him. I'm sure he would have just turned around and went out to his next match and just wrestled it stone-faced and showed no emotion about <laughs> the fact that he'd lost four on the bounce and needed to get his career back on track. But even still, at least, like we wouldn't have been sat there going, yeah, we know he's going over kind of thing because he's lost the first three. Ghetto needs a red wedding. That's what he needs. He needs a shock booking moment. And I'm Kill not talking about evil shock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not averse to that. Not literally <laughs> kill him, but like, I'm not fucking... And the Bullet Club, actually. Why? Don't, let's not just throw all our hate at LRJ. Just the Bullet I, Club in I general. Would, I would say that the factions need drastically freshening up across the board. And that goes for Chaos and Suzuki Gun. Yeah. I think all of them could do. Yeah. Or... Bring back Captain New Japan. <laughs> is that what we've come to <laughs> that's what we've come to now oh, well it's going to be tight he'll probably, anyway, he'll probably be, be in it next he'll probably be in it next year and fucking get 4.75 average <laughs> are we going Tomohiro Uhu, Captain that's, New Japan's back that's what we need we need Ishii to no we need Yoshihashi to take over Chaos 
We need Taichi to take over Suzuki Gun. Hiromu to yeah. take over uh, Jay. That's a, you know what? Hello, Genuinely, Jay. B Block would be so much more fun. I know he, he'd probably lose most of his matches if he just plugged Hiromu in there and did some of this story with him. I know as a junior coming into the heavyweight division, they'd do an Osprey and he'd maybe win two matches all tournaments. But that'd be so much more interesting than what we've got. That would be a way to fresh. I hope. I really hope. Like. Because the other news that came out of these shows was obviously we've got a uh, tag league and the best of the super juniors as as one tour coming up in the, in the winter. I really hope they freshen up at least one of the two of them. I hope best of the super juniors has some interest and outsiders in. Uh, obviously, Hiromu is going to be in there, but you know I hope that he's mixing it up with maybe outsiders from Japan. If you can't get people internationally, you know, hopefully they can get some people internationally um, to freshen that up as well. You know. Yeah, they I, use I Blake really Christian hope. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know that. I know that's a wild name, and it'd be Tom too Lawler? soon for him to be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you... I think for the tag league, mm. it, is that what you're going to put some big heavyweight combinations together as well? Mm. Because they're not going to be doing anything else on the tour. It's going to be juniors and these tags, which actually isn't too bad when you think of it. Mm. Like, because that tag league can be a fucking slog. But there's a good chance of having like some sort of big tag teams in there as well. I imagine you'll have Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi and that'll lead to the match between them at, at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe. But yeah, that's a, that's a whole other set of podcasts we'll be uh, we'll be doing this winter. Yep. So yeah, if, uh, if you thought this was bad, Gareth, look forward to that. We've got, uh, we've got tag lead to come. Uh, <laughs> and best of Super Juniors, which will probably be a bit more exciting. Um, anything else you guys want to say about G1? Uh, do you want to gloat any more about your pickums, JP? I'm uh, I'm moving up the C block in the uh, the post standards. I'm uh, I'm third from top right now, two points away from the fucking robot, Rando Bart, who is still top. I have passed the child, who is now second from bottom, only above... Uh, our mate waiting, um, but I'm doing good in there. Still doing terrible in voices. The child, Paul, the child Pauline Heyman. There you go. Yeah, yeah. She'll the be, booking prodigy. She's booking her own uh, territory. Yeah, Vivian Murray. Um, but yeah, over on um, over on voices where I do my bizarre world picks as usual. I'm in like the t- the bottom thirty. Although I was happy to see that I was above Rich Craig, whose whose tournament it is. Um, and poor Rich is uh, is not doing too great in voices. But yeah, you're JP. You're still uh, way up the leaderboard. On voices, how are you doing, Gareth? Are you doing okay? I think I'm like middle of the pack. I think when I was, I was on like 25 points. So what did you say? You're on JP about 30. It looks 30. like that was that, that was the last time I looked at it. Um, I'm just loading it up, and yeah, it hasn't been updated. So yeah, scanning five behind you, and by the sounds of things, I don't think I'm going to be catching you anytime soon. Based on some of my picks today, I think I'm pretty much a solid. Uh, Three points, uh, three points every day, man. Really, the, I, I haven't been hitting the heights of those five, uh, five correct ones that you've been doing. Maybe I need to pick, uh, pick Sonata a bit more on these last few. Well, it's it's about it's about the pattern of how everyone gets there at this point. But yeah, mm. it's my god, it's a log jam. This one, like your man Ryan for sides top on thirty one, and then it's just a group on thirty, and then there's just large pockets of people. And it's just what happens over the next couple of days. So I imagine there was a lot of shouting about that Jeff Cobb, Jay, Jay White match. I know I'm, my reaction on the bus was pretty bad. I just <laughs> went, oh, fuck off. And then just... uh, well, if we're, we're doing point I'd love, it, I'd love it if, you, if somebody else just shouted it at exactly the same time and somebody else was a, the <laughs> picture Jay White and their pick <laughs> on the same bus. Well, I know there was a big lull. 
when I got into Oxford that night and I thought, yeah, you've all been watching it. I know how you feel. I feel your pain. <laughs> it's a bit like when I go to Greg's JP during a GOD match when I just have a look at everyone else there. Yeah, they've all, they've all done a runner um, to get away from the, the <laughs> tag on a, on a show. That's the story you, I tell you, myself in my head anyway. You won't need to do that soon, Benno. They're uh, going to be delivering Greg's on roller skates. I was reading a news article the other day. Um, oh. I don't know if it was Just Eat just eight, just eight or something like that, but uh, yeah, they're going to have people uh, roller skating uh, Greg's to your door. So there you go. You can uh, you can watch those G.O.D. matches in the future and have someone bring your steak baked to your letterbox. Sounds amazing, apart from the watching the G.O.D. matches for part of it, but you know, <laughs> I'll always take a steak bake or a, or a nice vegan sausage roll. One day the other day, got a vegan sausage roll and they upsold me on a, a couple of vegan donuts. Uh, I'm not a vegan, but um, I'm not going to mm. turn down some donuts. Very nice. Enjoyed them. Yeah. Hope you, uh, yeah. Highlight of my weekend uh, with no G1. Uh, I was going to say, though, yeah, the, uh, the, in the post pickings, JP, I am on 30 points, so, you know, if we're going uh, we're, we're yep. points for points, I'm, uh, I'm there or thereabouts, but yeah, never going to beat that fucking robot. Uh, Steph's one behind. One rando bot. Yeah, that's it. Rando bot's the one to the one to catch. Um, it seems How is Steph doing on it? She was up it, up there, wasn't she? Last twenty nine. She's one behind me. I think she's fuming about that because she was leading the pack for a while. But uh, yeah, in our yeah. unofficial G block, uh, she is still up there. So yeah, there's uh, it's still all to play for. Uh, although yeah, I think you're the uh, you're definitely the Bucky's favourite at this point, JP, in this and in probably I... uh, FPL too. But I don't like the idea of what I've gone with at all. So it's like I take very little pleasure in it other than I win. It's a bit yeah. like Fantasy League in some ways when Spurs have a big win and you go, yeah, that's song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a killer. Isn't it? I don't have it, by the way. My sister did and Jack Grealish. Oof. Fucking romped it last couple of weeks. Yeah. Oof, painful. Uh... Yeah. Right. Uh, no, well, my, my, my Alex was raving because he'd he'd meant to put Wilfred Zahar in his team, and he accidentally put Jack Grealish in his team, and he was going to take a minus four to take Grealish out and put Zahar back in. And I was like, "Don't do don't that! Do you never that. know what's going to happen." And then and then he had that Grealish week. So there you go. He, that was another reason for him to be delighted as well as Liverpool getting a good eye. And he had double bubble with uh, Grealish getting all them points on the side as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, very happy uh, for my son and very very sad day for me. But oh, on the with... PlayStation just to <laughs> teach him a lesson. <laughs> Get a sledgehammer out of the shed. You go, yeah, life is unfair, isn't it, mate? And then just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Sorry, that's terrible parenting. It's well, very late. Anything else? Anything to plug before we go, Gareth? Do you want to give any like you know health tips for anyone who might be suffering with COVID or with what you've learned this week or anything else you want to plug? Let's hope you're here next I week, Gareth. Let's hope you're okay. I, was gonna say, I, hope, I hope I'm here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that'll be a good start. Definitely. Ah, uh, you young man. If Trump can survive it, you can survive it. I think my number one tip would be don't believe that app because like uh, Sarah, my wife, was absolutely dying for days, like really ill. And the app was telling her that this, all the, she had none of the symptoms of COVID and just to ignore uh, all the different uh, things that she had and don't go and get a test. And it wasn't until days and days later when she finally lost a sense of smell that she went and got a test and found out, yes, you have got COVID um, sort of thing. So, yeah, don't, uh, don't take that fantastic app at its uh, word. But speaking of fantastic apps, um, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Nice. Very good. <laughs> you know where to download it from the <laughs> Google Play or the App Store. 
keep up with your G1 ratings. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, there's a, there's a few different um, stuff going on outside of New Japan as well. So obviously, you've got the collective uh, happening this weekend. Is that correct with the GCWs there on the app? So you'll be able to rate that. Um, um, possibly um, be doing some kind of promotion around that on uh, Twitter. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. The same with Impact Bound for Glory and AW Full Gear coming up in the next uh, next month as as well. So again, hopefully be a few a uh, few free codes or opportunities to support Grapple by buying through links that we do there. So yeah, all your support is massively appreciated. So yeah, look out for look out for those. But otherwise, yeah, just uh, give us a follow on uh, Grapple app on on Twitter, and um, we'll be throwing a few more graphics and things out there for, for you to keep up with the G1 and what to watch and comparing stuff with previous years. Awesome. Sorry, that was very long, wasn't it? That was a bit of a... That's okay. I'm just glad um, I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> all roads lead to at Grapple off, is uh, the point uh, on Twitter. <laughs> you'll, you'll get all of that too. I know the graphics are great. I think that they find them quite helpful. I think, uh, I know Joe Lanza did, uh, you know, he's been doing his daily podcast. He's done like a mid G1 review uh, on the Voices of Wrestling feed where I think he uh, he goes through a little bit of the uh, the grapple stats as well as uh, cage match and uh, and some other stats for so far. So I'll be interested to hear uh, his findings on that. But no, that that stuff's always uh, always really interesting. Um, JP, anything from you? From plug your Twitter. Yeah, just JP JP three E's. I I haven't the energy to almost do anything else. This G1 and the Premier League is called cool, killing me slowly. So yeah, just follow me on Twitter. To watch me go into the slower bit and, and cheer him along <laughs> silently in his, his pickups. Hey. Um, follow, follow me in the pickums. It'll go wrong. Two I'm, years. I'm cheering along for you, JP. Um, for, for me, uh, I'm doing a BWE on Thursday night with with Martin. We are now monthly uh, with that show. We got Sarah Grieve joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking some. Uh, did you know NXT UK was back? Because apparently it is. Uh, we're going to be talking some of that. Uh, the, the last two Rev Pro shows. Uh, there was one on Sunday, uh, as well as yet yeah, the uh, the varying attempts of uh, promotions in the Northwest to get running again. But yeah, we'll be talking all that on the British Wrestling Experience, uh, postwrestling.com. Other than that follow me on twitter at benson richard e and yeah unless things change and uh, keep an eye on our twitter in case it does uh, we'll be coming uh, a day later than this week next week we'll be coming next wednesday where we'll be rounding up on three days of a block and god i can't believe i'm saying this three days of b block as well uh, <laughs> and then uh, previewing the final weekend the home stretch is here everybody we're almost there uh, but yeah we'll be back uh, next wednesday night with all of that uh, and everything else going on in the wrestling world so yeah for us for another show That'll do. See you next week, everyone. Bye.